0: And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. I am your host, Dave McHugh. For those of you on Facebook, saw us a little bit earlier as we get in prep to get on the air. Uh, we are on the air. We hope to stay on the and air. Welcome into we have actually everybody. been dealing with some uh, technical difficulties um, that we did not plan to have. The computer's showing a little bit of its age. That's why we have a fundraiser. Even though we haven't done very much in the sense of raising funds, it hasn't been great. But we're hoping for some improvement. Anyway, um, Let's get through the particulars. We got lots. So first off, Hoopsville mailbag segment coming up at the end of the show. We've got a couple questions, I think, in our mailbag. We'll double check. But if you have a question for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That is hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also send us inquiries, questions. Share your thoughts on uh, Twitter at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville as well. Um, If you... Uh, Want to join us on Instagram? We're there as well, at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville there as well. Though we don't follow that during a show that's more promotional and kind of let you know where we are when we're traveling. Uh, but feel free to to follow us there. You'll get an idea of who our guests are ahead of time. Uh, and of course, you can join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show live as we have almost the entire season. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. What else do we have? Uh, let's see. Regional rankings out. We had our special yesterday afternoon. We will try and do that again next Wednesday as well. Technology allowing. Uh, we will uh, be talking to a number of uh, guests. I shouldn't say we won't be talking to guests on Wednesday, but we'll, we'll break down the rankings for week number two next week. We, we talked about week one this week. We'll certainly talk more about it. I actually think both committees, for the most part, did pretty reasonably well, to the point that there isn't a lot of discussion about them. Now, granted, I haven't been on the D3 boards as much as I normally am, but still... Um, not a ton of complaining, if, if if that is any kind of measure. That said, there are certainly some you could look at. But I think a lot of people also understand the first week is just the first week. Not a lot of problems or qualms with the week. So, um, understandably so, um, we take it with a grain of salt. You understand where some teams sit. It certainly gives us some insight. I think it gives you insight, for example, in the CCIW that maybe they're not as in solid a position as maybe previously thought to get in that large bid. That could certainly change Week 2, but North Park losing again um, despite being ranked low is going to leave basically Augustana in the rankings in the CCIW and possibly a second team, but not high. It's kind of like what the Wyack experienced last season. Now the Wyack on the flip side has a lot of teams regionally ranked and it may change. Um, there was a conversation about how Eau Claire is ranked over Oshkosh, despite the fact that Eau Claire has lost twice to Oshkosh. Well, the other problem is Oshkosh has lost eight games this season. That's a 6'10 SO, uh, regular uh, winning record, I should say, and an SOS um, that is certainly good, but can't overcome that. So you may have two wins over somebody who's ranked. That doesn't mean it's going to come back and be good. Now, We should also point out that results versus regionally ranked opponents in a lot of these uh, cases has not been factored in. Um, But I always find it quirky uh, when we get the rankings that all of a sudden we have results after the rankings that will make you scratch your head and wonder what in the world we just watched. Guilford did not even score 50 points last night against Roanoke in a loss. They're the number one ranked team in the region. That is not purdy, as they say. Not purdy. So, you know, the rankings always, as I said, kind of bring out the, the good, the bad, and the ugly sometimes in teams, and uh, we'll, that will most likely continue tomorrow uh, as well. So we're going to keep an eye out, see if you, uh, if you have any thoughts for us, and we'll certainly try and tackle them. Um, I finally got my blog out for the top 25, and, um, well... It is what it is. <laughs> Top 25 is pretty challenging this year, as we all know. Um, I'm sticking with Babson. I like Whitman. I don't love a lot of other teams, to be blunt. Uh, it's just, you know, but then, you know, another example, Claremont-Mudd-Scripps, who we will talk to on this show tonight. I've been in and out of my ballot. So has Newman. In the last four weeks, Newman and Claremont-Mudd-Scripps have basically been swapping spots, uh, despite the fact both have won. And then this week, I got them both in, and they have both lost. Newman lost in overtime to Rosemont, who's now taken out number one Newman in the conference and number two Cabrini in the conference. Then Claremont-Mudd-Scripps lost to their campus neighbors, Pomona-Pitzer, on Tuesday night. So certainly some interesting goings-ons, to say the least. Um, you know, Guilford lost. So that's three of my top twenty-five that has lost already this week, and and certainly we're going to see more losses. We're getting closer to conference tournament time where it's pretty much guaranteed that everyone's going to lose except for 41 teams who get those automatic bids. So, no, it's not going to be shocking to see some teams lose. But it's the timing of those losses or who those losses are to that sometimes is a bit on the, shall we say, perplexing side. But we got our first regional rankings, the top 25s out there and clicking and going and so on and so forth so we'll keep an eye on the rankings if you have questions for the mailbag feel free and send them our way again email them hoop uh, hoopsville at d3hoops.com we'll certainly try and and tackle those when we can um again not a ton of questions that i have seen so far but we'll certainly keep an eye out uh let's go back into the men's top 25 uh it's Kind of status quo losses aplenty. We, um, Amherst lost to Wesleyan earlier this week, 73 72. Wesleyan wins the little, little three. That is Wesleyan Williams Amherst. And Wesleyan beats Amherst twice. Now, we mentioned that on the selection show yesterday. The second through six spots in the East region are going to be fascinating to watch because everybody's got something on the other team. Um, for example, Wesleyan, who's 5, beat Amherst, who's 2, twice. But Williams has beaten Wesleyan, and Williams is sitting 6. Amherst has has be- has beaten has lost to Trinity, who's sitting 3 or 4. Actually, I may have that dead wrong. <laughs> I'd say that. Hold on. So Middlebury's 2. I apologize. Let me start this over. So Middlebury's 2, Amherst is 3, Tufts 4, Wesleyan 5, Williams 6. We- Williams has a win over Wesleyan. Wesleyan has now two wins over Amherst. Granted, when the rankings came out, just one. Um, Amherst has beaten Tufts, um, but Tufts has won games too, so it's it's just quirky. Babson is clearly the best team in the conf- in the region. Middlebury's got a great SOS over six hundred. Excuse me, is my cold axe up again? Um, but you can't overcome those two two loss difference two win difference to Babson. Um, so it's, it's fascinating to see. And, and here's what I'm going to say about a lot of these regions. About halfway through the region is about your Mendoza, not your Mendoza line. We're using the Mendoza line for the win-loss percentage. But it's your line of demarcation. If you are halfway in the region, ranking for most regions somewhere in the 4-5 area, nothing's guaranteed. Above that, you're probably in if you need the at-large. Below that, it's, it's tenuous. Granted, it depends on how many upsets there are. That's not true for all regions. For example, in the south region, I would say that number is closer to three or four. I don't think it's deep as four or five. In the west region, I think it's also around three or four. I don't think it goes down to five as a a line of demarcation. Whereas in the central, I think it goes down to five or six, maybe seven. In the Atlantic, I think the number is closer to two or three, maybe four. I don't love it at four, but maybe four. In the east, I think it's around three or four, maybe five. Great Lakes, you could maybe say it's around six. But so take the 4-5 area and just, you know, it's up and down from there for the most part. As I said, Amherst losing to Wesleyan. Uh, they've got Middlebury ahead of them, along with Hamilton. So this weekend's pretty important for Amherst. Claremont-Mudd-Scripps, as we mentioned, lost by Pitcher. They will play tonight against Whittier and then this weekend against Laverne. Newman will play, uh, lost to Rosemont, as we mentioned, will play Karen this weekend, which won't give us much of an insight. Guilford, as we mentioned, lost to Roanoke, 72-46. They will play Randolph-Macon in a game that I'm not really sure what's on the line. <laughs> those two teams have been uh, battling it out for first place. We'll take a look at the ODAC here momentarily. Um, but that is certainly an interesting ODAC. In the receiving votes category, only one team has lost, Endicott- Lost to Nichols. Oh, by the way, I forgot North Park lost to Carthage earlier this week. We mentioned the loss. Just forgot to mention who they lost to. 91-88, double overtime. Um, North Park's playing without one of its best players, one of its preseason All-Americans, and it's clearly showing, just as North Central has struggled all season without Connor Raredon. So Randolph-Macon in the ODAC has a game lead on Guilford. Uh, Randolph-Macon's 12-1 and in the conference, 16-6 and overall. Guilford's 11-2 and in the conference, 18-4 and overall. So obviously... Should Guilford win that game, they will be tied in the conference. And then looking at them head-to-head, that will be the only head-to-head matchup that they will have. And thus, that will determine the uh, conference. So if Guilford were to win that and tie, they're going to take the tiebreaker, assuming the two get through the rest of the conference equally. If Randolph making wins, they put a get a two-game edge. And obviously with the win over Guilford, they probably have clinched the 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 uh, conference seed, the regular season, uh, considering they'll have two games left. So a two-game lead with two, two games left and the tiebreaker. So if Randolph-Macon beats Guilford tomorrow, they will win the regular season in the ODAC and be the number one seed, which doesn't mean much because they get the, the bye in the first round, go to the quarterfinals, and quarterfinals onward are played at the Salem Civic Center, but still they win the regular season. And again, if Guilford wins, they will then be tied with Randolph-Macon with two games left. And we'll have the tiebreaker. Basically, they have got to get through the end of the season in the same spot with Randolph-Macon. So interesting scenarios there going on in the uh, South, and especially the ODAC. On the women's side, in the top 25, um, as as always, it's, it's a little bit quieter. Um, almost always. Christopher Newport had a horrible game against Marymount. Um, couldn't shoot, couldn't rebound. They lost 62-48, so they are now no longer tied with Mary Washington. Remember, they were tied with them in the CAC on the women's side and was going to come down to a tie break because they had both split the regular season and the sport committee had decided not to use other criteria. That is no longer the case unless Mary Washington loses. The other loss is Whitewater it picks up its fourth loss, losing to Stevens Point, and it wasn't close, 75-57. Christopher Newport has Wesley coming up this weekend at home, and and Whitewater has River Falls coming up at home. Nobody else in the women's side has lost, and that includes the receiving votes category. So certainly a little bit more interesting on the women's side, a little bit easier if you're a voter, that is for sure. (coughs) Excuse me as I get something caught in my throat. Let's see. Coming up uh, on the show, let's talk about our guests. we got Chris Huffman, number 10 DePaul women's basketball coach. Will join us on the program then, Katie Marcella, the Hartwick women's basketball coach. So the Great Lakes covered there, along with the East covered there, especially on the women's side. Uh, I see the question from Eric. I'll get to you in just a second. Uh, Guy Rancourt, Ly Cummings, men's basketball coach, will join us, and then Ken uh, Scalma, Scalmanini, 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 Ken Scalmanini from claremont mudd Scripts will join us right before the Whittier game. We actually pre-taped that. Eric asks us a question. Hey, Dave, how do you like the Mayaks' chances of getting three teams in? I don't, Eric. (laughs) I don't like them at all. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, plain and simple. St. Thomas is the highest-ranked team at three. The next-ranked team is St. John's at seven. So, no, I don't think there's any chance uh, the Mayak gets a third team in at all. Um, We can quickly look at some of the, the SOS data. And I assume we're talking men, Eric. I'm, I'm assuming, Eric, we're talking men. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but if we look at the Mayak and other teams, uh, SOS, Bethel's is a 502. Augsburg's is a 503. Um, Carrollton's a 536. That's certainly not bad. Uh, let's see here. Concordia Moorhead's a four ninety-eight, not good at all. And again, I'm not looking at teams that are definitely in the mix. I'm just looking at SOS numbers. I mean, Concordia Moorhead's eleven and eight, so they're not even in this conversation. Crown is eight and twelve, but they have a four hundred eighty six, so that's not even well. Gustavus Adolphus five and sixteen with a five thirty one. Hamlin's twelve and nine with a five hundred four. Remember, these numbers are as of Sunday, not counting what they've done this week already. Um uh Luther, nope. Um, sorry, I'm going through this. Minnesota Morris is 10 and 6 with a 447. It's not gonna cut it. Um, St. John's 14 and 5 with a 516. St. Mary's 6 and 14 doesn't matter. Uh, St. Olaf's 9-11 doesn't matter. St. Thomas is 16-4 with a 529, so it's not bad. So St. John's is in. The rankings because of their record. That's it. No, So, no, there's no chance on the... Oh, women! <laughs> All right, so on the men's side, there's no chance. Uh, I think on the men's side, unless St. Thomas can get a little bit higher ranked... Actually, they're not going to get much higher ranked. I think St. Thomas is okay, barring a meltdown at the end of the season. They will get in. Women's regional rankings, West... It's a different conversation. St. Thomas number one, Puget Sound number two, Gustavus number three, Wartburg number four, Whitman five, Bethel six, George Fox seven, St. Benedict eight. St. Thomas is probably going to be a lock to get in unless there's a meltdown. Gustavus Adolphus certainly in good shape. That leaves Bethel and St. Benedict, and we will ch- quickly check their scenario. Bethel's got a 538 SOS, not too bad with a 17 4 record at 8 10. Um, Gustavus Adolphus is a 19-1, as we know, with a 526, so that's not too bad. Just curious about St. Thomas, though. I think they're five, 587 SOS. St. Thomas is in terrific shape. So St. Thomas is all but locked, I think, at getting into the tournament. Again, barring a meltdown, and I mean losing every game between now and the end of the season for them. Uh, St. Benedict was the other team. There they are. Sorry, they don't they, they put them in as a full spelling out of Saint 13 and 8. Don't like that with a 584. So I think Saint Benedict's ranked because of the 584. Don't like the 13 and 8. So here's what I'm gonna say. I think the chances of the Mayak getting two in are pretty solid. I think Bethel almost has to upset one of the top two, St. Thomas or Gustavus Adolphus, to position themselves better. Um, 38, 17, and 4. I think Bethel's on the bubble. So I think the women have a chance at getting three in, but it's tenuous. Uh, remember, one of the at-large bids, and this is something we discovered this week at D3 Hoops because we we just hadn't thought to look at it. One of the at-large bids goes to Pool B. So the normal amount of, of at-large bids that goes to the women is taken away by one. and They'll go to a Pool B team who are independents or, or those in conferences that don't have an automatic qualifier, which there is none. So as a result, there is technically going to be one last bid going to a team basically from the GSAC or elsewhere, or the old GSAC, which does not exist. There's 11 teams. There'll be one bid coming out of that. I, I think Bethel's in a little bit of tenuous trouble there. Looking at, quickly, because we're going to have to get on with the show here, but quickly looking at Bethel's rec- schedule the rest of the way. I like their SOS. I just don't love their win-loss, considering they'd have to take another loss uh, to be in this scenario. Augsburg, Concordia, Moorhead, St. Catherine. So they, they don't have much the rest of the way that worries me. So they got to get to the tournament. My gut feeling tells me if they win in the semifinals and lose in the championship, Bethel's got a really good chance of getting in. If they lose in the semifinals, Bethel's probably got no chance of getting in, or really in a dangerous bubble. That's where I'm thinking, Eric, in the Mayak. It's not looking at the complete picture, but I'm thinking that's kind of where I'm at. If they get to the championship game, I think Bethel's got a chance of getting in. Um, if and obviously if they win it, then everybody, then all three are getting in for sure. Um, but if Bethel loses in the semis or sooner, I think no, I don't think there's a chance of them getting in. All right, so we're going to take a break. Uh, get your questions and continue to c- keep them moving. Uh, when I've got a chance to answer more questions, I will, and I'll certainly do it in the, um, in the, other, uh, in the other situation as well. All right, so, or, I mean, in the mailbag later. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll start talking uh, women's basketball. We'll start off with the number 10-ranked team in the country, the DePaul Tigers. Chris Huffman joins us on the show to talk about her squad. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Uh, we'll have more Hoopsville after this.
1: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission.
2: we've got more schools than division 1, more fans than division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers division 3 basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at wwwd 3 hoopscom Com. We've got
3: cheer for the stumbles uh, uh, the he should have had that and the tears that linger for in those moments greatness lies there you will find the provoked the determined the unified it's in those moments That champions are born.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. On this Thursday evening, hope you're enjoying the show. Obviously, we're just getting into this thing, but lots to talk about regional rankings and top 25s and all of that stuff. If you've got questions for us, especially for our upcoming Hoopsville mailbag segment, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That is hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also send us questions, inquiries, whatever, at our Twitter account, at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. And of course you can also um, join us on Facebook facebook.com/ hoopsville where we're simulcasting this show. certainly try and follow the, the comments there, but as much as Facebook likes to tell the the clients like myself that we can um, interact with our client uh, those watching, it's a little harder than it seems, but we'll certainly do our best. I'm going to jump into some women's basketball. We're going to start at the top. Well, at least close to the top. 10th ranked team in the country out of the Great Lakes region is DePauw. It's just a matter of time as to when we're going to chat with the DePauw Tigers on the women's side, especially. uh, We waited probably longer than we normally do. They're 21 and one this season and and 14 and 0 in conference play. They've already wrapped up the NCAC regular season. The tournament will come through uh the Tigers lair uh, at Neil Fieldhouse house uh, two games left they got a three game lead both games on the road so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline sponsored by the City of Salem host of the men's championship weekend is Chris Huffman from the 10th ranked Tigers uh, coach welcome back to Hoopsville
4: Dave thanks for having me good to
0: be here i appreciate you taking the time um again you're 10th ranked you, you you've been you know pretty much in that area most of the season um, you're got one loss on the year, dating back I think is in November. We'll get to that. You got two games left. This is the uh part of the season that's certainly fun as you've almost kind of gotten through the grind, but this is also that part of the season where things really ramp up.
4: <laughs> they certainly do. I think uh you gotta try to stay on your A game and you gotta dodge <laughs> a lot of bullets that are coming at you from the opponent. Yeah. so we're we're certainly feeling all of that right now. <laughs>
0: Um, you just beat Denison on Wednesday, 60-46. to 46. You beat Allegheny on Saturday, 99-54. You actually had four straight home games and five of your last seven at home. Actually, most of this 2017 section, and even back to 2016, has been at home. You played, let's see, four, five, nine home games so far since December 28th. Um, and you've played... Three away games. So the home treatment has has been good to you so far.
4: (laughs) We don't mind staying at home at the bowling center, that's for sure. We had those early road games in December, which kept us moving pretty good. So it's nice to be at home and and have a suitcase unpacked for a while.
0: Yeah, Yeah, you guys played, let's see, dating back into uh, November, you played, I think it was eight away games and one home game. And finishing it up in San Juan, Puerto Rico. I, f- I wish I could feel bad up finishing it up in Puerto Rico, <laughs> Coach, but I I simply yeah. I can't find it. I can't find it. I
4: know it yeah. was it was a fun trip and <laughs> it's some nice weather. We we lost a day uh, travel from some uh, canceled flights, so we oh. were happy to finally get there.
0: And you played Oshkosh there and had a, good, a pretty good game and then against them, and then Vassar, and then you got back in and obviously conference action. Closest game you had this season was a double overtime thriller against Denison, 60 to 30, uh, 50. Not counting the loss to watch you at the beginning of the year. Um, and then, obviously, revenge that loss on Wednesday. How's conference season been for you guys? Besides what we see at fourteen and zero?
4: Well, I think there's certainly a lot of parity in the conference. Um, you know, Denison was picked to win it. I think they're a super talented team, and people are beating up on each other a little bit. You know, I think um, on any given night, anything can happen, and, and we've got certainly some really tough ones coming up. So it's been a I have a lot of respect for for my colleagues in the in the field here at the North Coast Conference, and it's not easy, you know, kind of the grind of everybody knows what everyone else is going to do. So executing on that given day becomes so very, very important.
0: Yeah, that is certainly the case. Uh, this is a conference certainly that you guys have have been in charge of for most of the time that you've been in the conference. Um, granted, last year maybe in the anomaly at thirteen and three, but sixteen and zero, fifteen and one, sixteen and zero, sixteen and zero. even dates back to the SCAC days where you hadn't, I mean, last year was the most losses in conference that I know in recent history. Um, This team, though, to me also seems a little sneakily-ish, and that's a word I just made up, um, a lot like your championship-run teams, um, maybe under the radar a little bit and and playing really good basketball. Yeah,
4: I would say we probably are under the radar. You know, we we have some – some weaknesses that we've got to try to hide each game. You we know, we're not very big inside. Uh, we're still working on trying to gain some experience at some positions and strengthen our depth. And we've got some great senior leaders, um, and, and the guard court that's coming on and kind of gelling together. So I like a lot of the pieces. Um, and you know, and maybe the biggest thing is they're, they've been such great students of the game.
0: Interesting comment you make there of trying to. Um, um... You know, hide pieces and I don't want to have anything necessarily be given away I obviously would never get coaches on here if they were giving us their scouting reports but um, I've seen a few teams who have been highly ranked this year who are not who don't blow me away with size inside and I, a dangerous question here how do you hide that and I'm not trying to get that from you but how do you have a season like you're having while maybe especially against teams who do have size inside and let's say tongue-in-cheek get away with it
4: yeah you know i think if you can find a way to, to defend those players right so you have to go some zones you've got to do some trapping you know and, and and so i think putting each game plan together for that opponent becomes so very critical for us uh, defending inside but then again i think there's a lot of teams that are playing smaller ball so you know you, you get two sides of the coin certainly as the game continues to change with more dribble motion and more ball screen motion um so it's evolving every day and you've got to just match up with the the
0: philosophy of that given game um again the only loss you suffered was the fourth game of the season uh at an illinois wesleyan tournament when you played wash U, lost to them by 12 um and then got the consolation game against illinois college anything you guys were able to learn from the start of the season especially that game against wash U, that you're still using now or is that january and that's in our rearview mirror
4: you know, I think early on in the season, I think the biggest thing is we didn't execute offensively very well. And so that's been a thing that we go to practice every day with, you know, kind of our offensive execution and taking care of the basketball. And, and we have have some ebbs and flows with that, had, yeah. but it's certainly the part that we've been trying to work on our
0: consistency there. It, it's tough for teams to see, or I should say other people to, to read into you, especially in what is a challenging Great Lakes Conference, and see you go 14 on the NCAC. No disrespect, but it feels very oh-hum because we're so used to you dominating this conference, like you dominated the SCAC before that. Um, so w- what are we maybe missing that we're not fully appreciating with a pre- ex- pre-exposed notion that you're going to win the game in the NCAC?
4: Mm. Boy, I think every game this year has been a grind for us. Um, and, and a part of that is our opponents continue to get better. The coaches have great game plans. Um you know, we don't maybe have that all star. We've got the great team play. So I think all of those things matter. So it's certainly, um, even though the outcome has been in our favor, none of those have been easy, easy uh, uh, appearances for us. Uh,
0: talking to the head coach, um, uh, Chris Huffman, head coach of DePaul. A team is, as we mentioned, a pretty good season at 22 and 1, 14 0 in conference. Let's talk about this team just a little bit. Um, You're leading score. You have two players in double figures and two just on the outside looking in. Maya Howard, the sophomore, 12.5 points a game, uh, three rebounds a game, two and a half assists a game, a uh, steal and a half uh, for the guard. Claire Ryan, another guard and a senior, 11 points a game, 5.3 rebounds a game, uh, shoots 45% from the floor, not too shabby at all, also hands out two and a half assists a game as well and has 2.2 steals a game. And Then the two players on the outside of the double figures looking in, freshman Sydney, is it Cop? cop it is cops 9.3 points a game um 3.6 rebounds a game and taylor howard a senior forward 9.2 and 5.7 and maybe that's where this talk of your small inside maybe reveals itself a little bit coach your four leading scorers three of them are guards um of your six leading scorers two of them are forwards
4: yeah, yeah, definitely. We we don't have the size inside. I think Taylor Howard is probably one of the best undersized forwards that we could find. You know, in the nation, she's got some great skills. She's just, you know, 5'10", and does a tremendous job in there. But we are definitely our strength uh, lies on the guard court as you talk through those numbers. And uh, Meyer Howard and, and Claire Ryan certainly are a nice one-two punch for us, where we can, you know, play them uh, together at the same time or rotate them and, and we can also who's at the point. So they're the combo guards that we can put at the one and the two.
0: When you look at the the statistics for this team outside of that, we look at you know more of the team profile, as it were. Um, you're scoring 68 points a game. It feels to me that maybe that's lower than you normally are as a squad. Or am I just so used to you dominating, especially defensively, that I just think you put up a lot of points?
4: No, I think you're probably right. I think points are a little harder to come by the last couple of years. Um, So, yeah, you're correct. A little bit
0: lower. Okay, so good. I'm not losing my mind. I mean, it's possible (laughs) I could be losing my mind. Let's be honest. Uh, That is always a possibility. Um, I'm trying to find uh, what you're giving up for opponent score, and I'll find that in a minute. Um, Oh, you're you're giving up 50 points a game. Not too shabby. So this gets me to this question. I've asked a few coaches throughout the season. Is this a team that is, despite maybe having some trouble finding the points you want, offensively minded and just so good that you just, by 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 default hold teams to low numbers or are you defensively minded want to control the game and shut teams down and then the offense just feeds off that
4: Yeah, you know, boring basketball. I said no, we are definitely <laughs> defensive minded. We 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 start with the defense and certainly trying to take away the opponent's strengths if we can and and the second thing is we want to try to, you know, win the boards each game. So that that's kind of where we start our process and and hopefully the offense is kind of a byproduct of that.
0: So what's the, what's the message with the team now? What's the plan with the team? You've wrapped up the NCAC season. You've got two games left. They're both on the road. And I'll, I'll get an interesting question about that in a minute. But, you know, you can't necessarily let yourself off the pedal. You've got to get through the NCAC. While the NCA certainly looks like it's in, in good position, even if it was an at-large pick, you also have to balance with the fact you don't want to wear your team out. So. Do, do you take advantage of the fact that the, the pressure's off for the conference, or do you want to keep going the way you've been going?
4: Yeah, you know, keep going the way we've been going. You know, if we, and we keep our motto, and it's, you know, the old coach's cliche that we all use. So <laughs> we're really kind of one possession at a time, one game at a time. And so we won't change anything down here. We're we're so excited to be hosting that first round of, of the conference tournament, but that's all we really know right now, everything else we've got to earn. Um so we've got two tough games to finish up, and so we're going to go, you know, hit the film room, hit practice just like we normally would.
0: Uh, So then you've got, obviously, two more on the road, and then you'll come home for the conference tournament. Is there almost maybe a blessing disguise that you're finishing on the road here with two games that you just aren't so accustomed to being at home that when you hit the conference tournament and maybe even the NCAA tournament, it's not like you've been at home for such a long period of time that it it almost becomes um, a laissez-faire type of mentality?
4: Maybe. I haven't really thought about it because I feel like we were on the road so much first semester and handled that well. Um, And then we have been home here for a little bit of a stretch. So, you know, I think because we are just so um, we're not robotic about what we do, but we have such a kind of procedure of how we prepare. Um, Of course, we like being at the Lilly Center, being at home, but I think we're a pretty good road team
0: as well. Uh, Obviously, being a a good road team will be very helpful (laughs) if you have to hit the road. I have this sinking suspicion you're sitting, was it, third in the regional rankings um, behind Ohio Northern and Thomas Moore ahead of Hope, Rose Holman, and Trine. I have this sinking suspicion a home game isn't necessarily guaranteed the first weekend of the tournament. There's a lot of factors, so I certainly don't want to say it is or not, and it's obviously just the first regional rankings. A lot can change. But this Great Lakes is challenging this year. Standing out from the crowd or being able to make sure you get a good bracket feels like it's going to be a, a bit of a of a of a cluster, as it were, this season.
4: Yeah, it is incredibly difficult. Uh, you know, you look at those teams of what Thomas More and Ohio Northern undefeated, and um, Hope is having a great another great year as they always do. So, you know, there's there's a thread that's separating some of us right now in, in that region, and and you you've got to finish strong, or that thread can break and you could fall quite away. So. Um, there's certainly no nothing that's in stone yet. It is very, very uh, fluid everywhere.
0: Uh, and you're obviously on the western side of this region as well. So the ex- the ability for the committee to make up an excuse and send you elsewhere is high. Um, you, you were sent to Stevens Point, for example, to start the NCAA tournament last year. I don't think they would send you to Hope necessarily, but you're not that far from them. But going into the central region is certainly a possibility. You talk about you know having to be road warriors to some degree as well. Is maybe the last two games a good way of setting up for what maybe the inevitable come come March?
4: Well, you know, I, I think we're you know probably speaking a little too soon because yeah, I think so much can happen, right? But but <laughs> if you know if everything would would go the direction we would want it to go, um, yeah, I I would think we would be packing our bags and and heading somewhere,
0: yes. Does that make it ch- more challenging for you guys, or, or is it just more like, hey, that's it's business as usual, let's just go? I mean, it's not like this is the first rodeo.
4: You know, I think you can, you tweak it to, to what you need. You know, if you've got the comforts of being at home, you sell that. And if you need to be on the road, then you're, it might sound bad, but you're, you don't have to take, you're, you're not in classes. You can focus in and get your team set and kind of lock in. So I, I think we can do both pretty well. Um that's just a different story to tell, whichever whichever method you're
0: doing. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, obviously, the the men's basketball side uh, ran by Bill Fenland, uh, uh, who's a, a dean of basketball for his mind for many reasons, and certainly a friend of the program and, and a friend from many coaches out there. They're having a rough season, especially of late. Um, you know, everyone talks about his mind, especially if you foul you know, up three and the you know leading by a certain amount of time. Uh, curious if you've ever implemented his. Mentality in those. Did you, have you ever picked his brain and, and tried to execute what he thinks you you know in those scenarios? Yeah,
4: we certainly we've talked about it uh, at length, and and I and I haven't done it yet. And Coach <laughs> Finland assures me once I get beat by not doing it, I'll come over to his side. So,
0: I was going to say, do you hear him in the background at a game going, "You got to foul"? <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I haven't, but I know that we've had discussions after some of our games about what. What he would have done, or what we should have done. Well, on the
0: flip side of that, the struggles are having this year. How much is he coming into your office now and going, hey, do you have any ideas? Uh, <laughs> do, do you have well, something that can help me?
4: Well, I have so much respect for Bill and his <laughs> <in this laughs> program. And, and it, it, it pains you to see he's plugging away. Yeah. I mean, he's coaching them up. They're recruiting like crazy. They're doing all the things you need to do. And it's such a tough conference. Uh, On their side, day in and day out, and they've just come up a little bit short. And they're in most of those games, just, you know, falling a little short. So, you know, I've learned so much from him over the years as I sneak in and watch practice (laughs) or listen to a couple drills. So, I I know things are good, and, and I love that staff, and, and hopefully they'll finish strong
0: here. Yeah, hopefully. I, they're not that far removed from making a miraculous run through their conference tournament to the NCAA tournament. So we, we, right. we know what is capable. <laughs> Though we know what's capable from your team as well, not that far removed from national championship glory. Um, what was it, 2013, I think it was, uh, at Hope. Um, and, and like I said, there's something about this squad that, that makes me reminisce a little bit of, about that. But, per the region and per championships, you know what happened to Thomas Moore. Any thoughts on on just the dynamics of that, whether it's what you do to try and maintain um you know compliance with your own team does it does it make you go back and reexamine what you do yourself, even the Stevens point story uh, out of the men's side or and and do you have any reaction to the fact that they were forced to vacate a championship after all this?
4: Uh, you know all that stuff is so tough and yeah. And I certainly try to just keep our house clean and not have any judgments anywhere else because it's so, there's so many things that are innocent, supportive actions, yeah. you know. So it, it's unfortunate all around for everybody. Yeah. And
0: it certainly makes you appreciate the championship all that more, I'm assuming.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on. Certainly fun to talk to, about Tigers basketball with you. Do me a favor and, and, and give Bill a hard time for me. Um, certainly will. He he deserves it. Uh, he's a good man, but it he doesn't he's not um and I should say both bills. Keep Wagner in line for me too.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
0: keep, keep them on their toes. Just you know, you don't want them to just get routine with all this. I totally uh, would it. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in?
4: Well, I just appreciate what you do. I think that's my standard line when I close with you. <laughs> I appreciate what you do and highlighting uh, division three basketball it's it's a great brand of basketball uh, It puts the kids in the classroom and on the court and to, to me there's nothing better so thank you for what you do
0: well thank you coach appreciate it as well good luck the rest of the way we'll love lo- watching the tigers the rest of the season and uh, hopefully uh, it's a nice deep run in the march as well and thank you so very much take care chris huffman joining us on the city of salem uh, hoopsville hotline Again the team has uh, got one loss all the way back in January uh, November what am i talking about uh, November 26 against WashU 21 and 1 oh, 22 and 1 overall 14 and 0 uh, up ahead they finished the season on Saturday at Kenyon and then the following Saturday at Oberlin before hitting the conference tournament. Scary team, very dangerous region. Fascinating to see how the co- the uh, committee deals with this region alone in terms of the talent. we going to take a break. When we come back, we'll keep talking women's basketball, and uh, we'll jump out to the... Uh, where are we going? I think we're going to the East region. That's where we're headed. We're talking East region and Hartwick basketball. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this.
5: I used to
4: This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about
2: college sports. Got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
6: We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause.
7: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault
0: and welcome back to Hoopsle, everybody hope you're enjoying the show it is our thursday edition don't forget we're on the air thursdays and sundays seven and starting at seven o'clock eastern time each of those days um we are also going to, we, we started on Wednesday with the first one. We'll try it again next week and the following week as well with a special broadcast Wednesday afternoon following the regional ranking selections. Don't forget, Sunday, what is it, the 26th or the 27th? I actually lost track of what day is what. 26th, Sunday the 26th. We'll be on the air with our selection Sunday show, looking to start it earlier than we normally do, almost taking a page out of the committee's books. The committees tend to start before the uh, the action is over especially the old Dominion Athletic Conference. So we will look to get going earlier so that we don't have to be up as late and look forward to talking to coaches, but at the same time, giving our selections of who we think's in and out of the men's and women's basketball tournaments. And then, of course, the 27th is when the brackets will be announced. Uh, we hope to, again, have a role with that. But more importantly, we'll come out with our bracket show after that. It is a full February, and, of course, we have our fundraiser. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. But please consider donating to the cause to help us stay on the air in future years and also do a little bit of traveling so we can focus on Division Three. Got a great question pertaining to the next segment. Uh, Sarah writes, currently viewing a show, is wondering what made you look into Hartwick College tonight. They used to be a super strong team and then went off the radar for a while. I now see that they're regionally ranked. Well, Sarah, this is how it works. First and foremost, we try and be as diversified as we can on this show. On Thursday nights, we will talk to the East Mid-Atlantic. We'll also talk to the uh, Great Lakes and West regions. And on Sunday nights, we primarily focus on the Northeast, Atlantic, South, and Central regions. We also alternate. So if we talk to a men's guest last week, we'll talk to a women's guest this week from that particular region. Granted, last week was the marathon, so we talked to everybody, so that doesn't count. Um, If we talk to a particular conference, we'll try and switch conferences as well. Last time we talked Empire 8 women's basketball was Ithaca, right before the holiday break. Ithaca's tied with Hartwick atop the conference at 11 and two in conference. Stevens is 10 and two. Stevens is on our radar as well, but Hartwick hasn't been on this show in a long time, especially on the women's side. Both programs, men and women, are doing very well. But when you're tied with Ithaca atop the conference at this point in the season and you're regionally ranked, you're going to get a spot on Hoopsville. That's how it works, and that's why Katie Marcello joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville.
6: Thank you very much for having me.
0: I appreciate you taking the time. Again, 15-7 and 7 this season, 11-2 and 2 in conference. Let's just get out of the way the, the beginning, the first, let's call it half of the season, the 2016 campaign. Not exactly probably how you drew it up to start the season five, 3-5, and five, but you guys have been on a tear for the most part since then.
6: Yeah, um, it was a little bit of a tough start, but we played some some good games. We had our rival game against Oneonta that um, we played pretty well at. Um, tough games against Clarkson and uh, New Paltz, and we just kind of fell short. And um, you know, we pushed through, and we understood that going into conference play at the beginning of January we were zero and zero. So it didn't really matter that we were three and five, or if we were five and zero, or zero and eight. So. Kind of went in with that mentality, is uh, that we were playing for a conference um, tournament appearance.
0: Twelve and two since um, the two losses coming kind of near each other. Saint John Fisher tripped you up on January twentieth, and then on the thirty first, Stevens got you. Stevens certainly has been on a roll after having a very similar start to you guys. Granted, you had wins. Unfortunately, they did not uh, until Christmas time, and we saw them at Christmas. So obviously, these two teams have been playing well. Ithaca has been the class of the conference, but it's made it for an interesting race at the top of the conference. You're tied with Ithaca. Stevens is a, a half game back. They're 10-2 and two while you're 11-2. and two. St. John Fisher's lurking at 8-4, and four, but we're going to call this a three-horse race. You've got Ithaca coming. If no one has sensed the other pattern we have on this show, we tend to get coaches right about the time they're about to play a major uh, game in the conference. Uh, You do have Ithaca coming this weekend. So obviously a lot on the line here. Uh, Getting a win here would solidify number one for sure. Splitting wouldn't be the end of the world necessarily, but you'd love to maybe knock Ithaca off, I'm assuming.
6: Absolutely. I mean, um, Ithaca is tough. Um, Dan's a a phenomenal coach. He always figures it out with his teams. Um, You know, for us, I think it's more just uh, I'm so proud of this team and, and how far they've come. Um, since just myself joining the the Hartwick um, program in the last two years, um, you know nobody thought that we would be even in contention to um, make Conf- Empire Eight playoffs, let alone be at the top of the conference. So, yeah, of course we you, we'd like to to get that game on Saturday and, and be in control of our own destiny of potentially hosting. But um, like you said, a split doesn't doesn't hurt us. We're we're a lock for the Empire Eight tournament. So. Um, we're really just taking it one game at a time and, and preparing for every game and um, doing the best that we can.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, obviously there's a lot to talk about with the, with the Hawks, but the, the big one you point out there, and even Sarah mo- noticed this, the roller coaster that the Hawks have been in their in their history, um, below 500 for a long time, then for three years, 22 game winners, 22 and six, 22 and eight, 22 and six, then. Back under five hundred seven and only nine wins the last two years. You come on board, obviously with a bare cupboard, uh, to some degree, and have turned this program around this year to a fifteen and seven mark. That's the most wins since those three years, and the most wins outside of those three years in a long time. What's been the change? What has what have you found that has worked so well this year?
6: Um, I really think it's just been consistency for the girls. There's been there was kind of a few changes, but. Um, just knowing they have someone at, at the top that's going to be there and, and be there and be consistent. Um, but really, I give I give all the girls the credit. They're buying into the process. Um, they understand that for us to be successful, um, we've got to outwork teams and out hustle them. And at some point, us as a coaching staff, um, we've got to you know watch enough film to develop the game schemes to, to come out and get those W's. But as I said, I really think this team is collectively playing so well together. They're really cohesive on the floor, um, pretty balanced team as an, an inside-outside game. Um, we're not terribly big inside, um, but you know we've got an inside player, Jackie Foreman, who's just got a fantastic quick first step. Um, and, and just some players have really developed. Um, we've got a senior po- a point guard um, who plays almost the whole game for us, and, and she's really intelligent and, and um, the pieces are just all falling together, and some sophomores now who um, have gotten some you know, more playing time since last year and just kind of stepping up to the plate. So really, I, I really just attest it to the girls, and, and they're buying into kind of what we're selling, um, <laughs> and, it, and it's working. <laughs>
0: well, certainly it's working, and, and they're definitely buying whatever you're selling. I, I might be interested in whatever you're selling if you're going to get this kind of turnaround <laughs> uh, with this program uh again obviously you know we could talk about the ramifications you're in the tournament that's certainly the biggest thing for this program being at home would certainly be the cherry on top of that do you have to maybe manage expectations though just a little bit too? maybe keep the team from getting a little too far ahead of themselves yeah
6: I mean I think that they're smart enough to understand that we've got to take one game at a time and and they understand um the competitive level that Ithaca brings and you know typically Ithaca's really tough um, to beat at home and it's going to be their senior night and all those types of things. But, you know, we've, we've been, we've already played them. They know that we have the ability to compete. So I think it's just going to be more mentally strong than anything else. Um, For us, it's just going to be a mental game and and keeping focused. And as we all know, basketball is a game of runs. Um, And like I said, just staying mentally focused when those runs aren't necessarily going our way to keep battling um, and keep pushing forward. But yeah, we're you know we're taking one game at a time, and um, us as a team, we've got a little inside joke as a motivation. So I think that's helping them a little bit, and we'll keep that between the team. But um, you know, <laughs> oh, we're, really, we're really motivated <laughs> as to just just playing every game. As hard as we possibly can.
0: Wow, tease us a little there, huh? I see how it I goes. know. Well, you got to
6: check back later if, if we get
0: there. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Um, obviously, there's a lot to talk about, as I said earlier. This team has got, uh, what, about five seniors, I think, on it. Am I correct? Six, yeah, we have six. Six, we have
6: six. We have um, a girl that came out this year who hadn't played previous, but um, oh, okay. you know, found it a- academically balancing enough to be able to come out. And she's been a great, um, emotional asset for us.
0: The team being led by uh Emily Stone, um, at, at 13.4 points a game, uh, 2.8 rebounds, three and a half assists a game, which is obviously tremendous, and over a steal a game on top of that, and, and obviously Stone is one of those seniors that we talk about. Uh, Carly Johnson, 12 points a game, 3.5 rebounds. Uh, Jackie Foreman, a, nearly a double-double, near 12 points, nearly 10 rebounds. She's at 9.5 and, um, and shoots well, pretty well. Another double figure is Caitlin Corbett at 11.5 points a game. Then there's a steep drop-off. Uh, it's Sarah Shaw's 5.4 next on the list. So clearly that foursome's got the bulk of the offensive work. But I've been doing this long enough to know that that's not the entire story. Um, what does that foursome bring to the table, and who else is contributing that we're not seeing in the box score?
6: I mean, I don't think you – you don't notice it points-wise, and I tell this to Courtney Cirillo all the time. Um, her her stat line doesn't show what she does for us. Um, and for her, she's she's a, a phenomenal defensive player. Sometimes she gets herself in a little bit of foul trouble, but – her presence on the floor defensively and her basketball IQ is, is so essential, and you don't see any of those things on a stat line because there's no way to actually track it. Um, but she's really stepped up for us. She's coming back last year from tearing her ACL. Mm. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Sarah Shaw. Um, but, you know, we have just a phenomenal group of kids that I know that I can look at and for moral support. They keep us together um, on the court and off the court. Um, but you know it 's just a lot of little different pieces that are factoring into the success of this program so far
0: when you you, t- it 's interesting you mentioned not being overly tall inside the paw just Chris Huffman mentioned the same thing. Um, you have no well. Uh, you have one player, two players. I'm sorry. Over six foot. Sarah Shaw at six one, and, and Kelsey Collins at six foot. Everybody else is below that. And I asked sure. Chris to somewhat the same same what question. I'm not asking you to give me your scouting port because we certainly <laughs> don't want anybody to get any any tricks out of it. But if you do feel you're a little bit small on the inside, and I've seen teams who are a bit small on the inside and just don't blow me away. What is it that you guys are doing, maybe that or taking advantage of that is baby compensating if you are in a scenario where you're getting outsized
6: sure I mean I think it's got obviously it's pros and cons offensively and defensively offensively if they do have a bigger post um you know Jackie's is much quicker than most of them and she's not really a back-to-the-basket player so we can kind of put her at the high post and she can kind of go to work that's what I tell her when she gets it I say go to work Jackie and um Normally she does. Now you can, you can, you see the other side defensively, but you know, I think you, you work that with switching up your defenses, um, talking about different, you know, utilizing different types of screens defensively, um, you know, different types of zones. Um, so I think, it, like I said, it has its pros and cons, but I think we're, um, and we're pretty tough on the inside, even though we're undersized, but you know, height isn't everything. It's a lot of it. I think, I believe is, you know, quickness and basketball IQ, and I think we have that. And um, Leanne Green, who's a freshman who comes off the bench for us on the inside, she's undersized as well, but, man, she is strong. Um, she's a really strong kid, and I'm excited to see what um, happens with her
0: over the next three years. Talking to Katie Marcella, head coach of Hartwick, uh, who's tied with Ithaca, topped the Empire 8 in the East region. Um, and And you guys got regionally ranked as a result of this. Is there... Is there a bit of buzz on campus? I mean, not only <laughs> obviously the men have been doing well this year under a new head coach as well, but has there been a bit of a buzz about this squad?
6: Um, a little bit. I mean, I think uh, as I said, I think people are a little a little shocked, um, <laughs> but that's that's good. You know, I, I'm you know as I said, I, I'm super excited and proud of this team and what they've actually been able to do. And um, you know, even myself, I didn't expect us to be where we are right now. If you were to ask me back in October um but now seeing what they were capable of and what we've been capable of now i've kind of told them that they set the bar (laughs) and maybe they set it a little too high for themselves but i know what they are capable of so they're kind of held to that standard now every day we come into practice and every day that we we go into games you know i've already seen what you can display now don't give me any less um so yeah i mean there is a little bit of a buzz because it has been more on the men's side than on the women's for the last couple of years but um, it's been excited, exciting. where you know both programs are doing well, and in you know the men are in the hunt for the Empire Eight tournament as usual. So, um, kind of trying to keep it a little low key at the same point so that they, they stay focused and kind of stay humble and know that we still we still got work to do.
0: Uh, I got to quickly ask about your your coaching realm. If anybody is not familiar, you graduated from Brockport, were a three year captain there, led them to a Sunyac championship while you're there, and the NCA tournament as well. Um, and then you, you got into coaching after that. Um, you went to Keuka, uh and got involved there as an assistant and, then, and a cross-country coach, and then eventually became a, an interim head coach and then a head coach, and et cetera. And then you left them, and Keuka, I get, it's, it's, in, it's somewhat in the neighborhood. But then you went to Monmouth, <laughs> Illinois, and as much as I love Illinois, having grown up in Chicago, that's a change. Monmouth is a metropolis. What are you talking about? Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> and so is Hartwick. Um, yes. <laughs> but then, so what gets you out to Monmouth and then in return, what gets you back to Hartwick?
6: I mean, for me, it was, you know, um, Cuca was a, a great initial stone for me. I, I got a, an assistant coaching job at the age of 22, essentially yeah. right out of doing my student teaching. And it was a full-time job. So those, uh, you know, are few and far between when you're 22 years old. So I was lucky enough to, to get that opportunity and then get elevated to the head coaching spot. And um, you know, for me, it was um, a lot of it was just a professional decision. Um, and the Midwest Conference, you know, is a pretty typically a pretty strong conference or had been. And so for me, it was it was a it was the next stepping stone for me as to um, moving up conference, conference wise, moving up academically. Um, and I went out there and I had a great time. And if it wasn't 17 hours from home, I'm, I'm originally from Albany, New York, and all my family is still there and I'm I'm pretty close with my family. Um, if it wasn't 17 hours from home, I think it would be a place that I could have stayed at because it's a it's a great school, it's a great conference. Um, but as soon as I saw Hartwick open back up, even when I was a player playing in the Suniac, um, I always kind of admired you know the UAA and the Empire 8 and that kind of stuff. So when I saw that there was an opportunity for this, and like I said, I'm from Albany. It's only an hour from home and. Um, my parents are my, my, by far my biggest supporters. Um, it was an opportunity for me to get back home and, and that's what I did. I have a, a four-year-old nephew that I get to see now and a little more often than when I was only coming home twice, twice a year for that year. So, um, and you know, a- academically, Hartwick is, is very strong and the Empire eight is mm. a strong conference. You know, when's the last time the Empire eight hasn't gotten in that large bit. So to be a part of something like that, I thought was, was a no brainer.
0: Um, you just missed Wegmans, didn't you?
6: I did. You yeah. know what? But there's no Wegmans out here. Oh! So I'm still
0: <laughs> oh, that's cold. i in that,
6: that Price Chopper Wegman line. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. Yeah, I've got a Wegmans a mile from the house down here in Maryland. Yeah, that's I, not I'm, fair. I'm sorry for you. I really am. I feel horrible. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Horrible. I
6: do miss Wegmans though, however, <laughs> when I lived out in the Rochester
7: area for yeah, ten years. That
0: is that is a heck of a store. If nobody understands what we're talking about, you must learn. Um well coach, I'll let you go. A great chatting with you. Certainly amazing uh, what this team has done. Not only turning around in general, but turning around this season, as we mentioned, starting three and five and gone twelve and two since Uh, Certainly impressive and, as we said, regionally ranked now and and atop the conference and big game coming up on Saturday. Uh, I'll ask you one question before we give you the final word. That question would be, what's the message to the team now going into this Ithaca game in these final three?
6: Um, I think for us it's just to stay focused and to stay um, mentally strong. and um, We're going to do the best that we can. And If we can do those things, I think that we'll, we'll come out strong.
0: Great. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Take, uh, have fun. Enjoy the ride. Uh, take care. And as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to leave uh, before, or give to the viewers before we let you go? I'm stumbling <laughs> uh, apparently tonight.
6: <laughs> it's all right. I just want to say thank you for giving us the opportunity and you know recognizing what these girls have done and um, you know thanks for doing what you do and putting Division Three uh, basketball men's and women's on the map.
0: Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it as well. Congratulations, as I said. We'll talk to you soon, I'm quite sure.
6: All right, thank you.
0: All right, take care. Katie Marcella joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. Again, Hartwick playing tremendously good basketball. 12-2 um, and two since we we turned the, the calendar year over. Uh, and tied with Ithaca, and that says something, especially considering the way Stevens has played for the most part in the second half of the season as well. That, that race is great. I, I worry that Stevens has shot themselves in the foot with the way their season started. Their SOS is tremendous, but they did not have a great start. That any blemish in the second half of the season is going to hurt Stevens. Talking about the Mayak earlier, about how many women's teams can get in, and you heard Coach Marcella say when's the last time the Empire 8 didn't get in that large bid. I certainly think they'll get in that large. I think Ithaca and Hartwick are in, in very good position, though I don't think Hartwick is, is a lock in any way, shape, or form. But Stevens is the one I think is gonna have to do the most work. And if if this you know, they're gonna have to play each other, and that's where this gets tricky. Most likely if this finishes the way it does, if Hartwick finishes two, Hartwick and Stevens would probably play in the semifinals. And technically I I, you you worry that whoever loses that's gonna be out of the NCAA tournament. Now, if Hartwick finishes one and Ithaca's gotta play Stevens, that changes the equation just a little bit. Um, And then I think it's a little bit more interesting. So uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, Great race up there in the Empire 8, to say the least. Uh, When we come back, I know I got a couple of questions um, on the Facebook page. And I apologize to Jim, who I know is talking about Marietta men's basketball, uh, and somebody else. Uh, I can't remember what the questions were. I forgot to write them down, and they disappear on my screen. It's a long story, but I'll... This all works. I will say, I know Jim asked about Marietta men's basketball, what I think about them. I, I think they're finally um, back in stride. I got extremely worried midway through the season. I saw them at the beginning of the season, and they blew blew me away uh, far better than I thought, though I knew A.J. Edwards would have some trouble inside. John Carroll exposed that early in the season, and others exposed that in the middle of the season, especially Wesleyan. Um, I don't know what Marietta has done specifically, as I haven't had a chance to watch a full game as of late, but it looks like they may have solved some of the the gremlins they had midseason and are back kind of swinging away. Though they're not blowing teams away like they have, um, but they are certainly more improved, and that is good. Um, Obviously, they got to keep that up. I think they're in good shape. But that middle of the season worried me, and I think that's going to end up being their Achilles heel in the NCAA tournament as well. If anybody watched what they did midseason or didn't do midseason or what other teams did midseason, it's going to be a problem. Just remember the other question. It was about Maryville women. We'll answer that question now before we get on to the to the rest of the show. Maryville women in the South region are sitting third at 20-3. and three. Uh, you can look at their SOS data, and Maryville is sitting with a 490. So, Maryville's got me a little nervous. They're 20 and 3 of the 490, sitting third in the South. That's certainly not bad. Um, I don't think the South is overly strong, just like it isn't overly strong on the men's side. But Maryville's right in that cut line for me. Remember, I talked midway through a region is about where that cut line would be. So in the south, you could say it's around five. I think it's closer to three or four up there. I don't think the ODAC can get two in. I don't think Lynchburg and Guilford can get in. So I think Maryville's got to be careful. If they lose only in the championship game between here and then, I, I think they're fine. But if Maryville loses one more game and then loses in the conference tournament, I think Maryville's in some trouble. That being said, the women don't tend to worry about the 490 type of SOS as much as the men do. Women have allowed sub-500 SOSs in the NCAA tournament two years ago. You might remember McDaniel with two losses. So Maryville's probably in better shape than if they were on the men's side of the bracket on this thing. Um, but I, I'd be a little nervous. I'd be a little nervous if they pick up two more losses. And I'm saying that being if they pick up a loss at the end of the, before the end of the regular season, then pick up a conference loss, conference tournament loss, which is why we're talking about what are their chances in the tournament or getting into the tournament. We're talking about picking up losses here and being an at-large team. Now we're talking about five losses with a 490 SOS, give or take. That SOS is going to fluctuate. Now I'm nervous. Now I'm really nervous. If they only lose in the conference tournament and they enter with four losses, I think they're a little bit safer. That's how I kind of read Maryville. Going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk men's basketball and we'll talk light coming. So we'll go a little bit south of Hartwick into Pennsylvania, talk to uh, their head coach, Guy Rancourt, about the Lightcoming men's basketball team and the MAC Commonwealth. And then we'll go out to the West Coast, talk Claremont Mud Scripps men's basketball, and talk to their coach about the Skyak and their scenarios. You'll listen to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Don't forget, Hoops Hill mailbag segment coming up at the end of the show before we wrap things up. Also, answer more of your uh, questions about specific teams and regional rankings as well. You're listening to Hoops Hill, back with more after this.
1: My name is Marcus Walker. I was all state, won a state championship a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I
5: used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
2: We've got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness.
3: That he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. You can always interact with us. By following us or tweeting us at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville on your Twitter account. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're live streaming the simulcast of this show. Uh, Something we've added this year certainly has been successful. Also, we have um, Instagram, though we don't follow that during the show. You can always follow us there, see what we may be up to, uh, at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. And of course, don't forget about the Hoopsville mailbag coming up at the end of the show. Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. That's Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Ask your questions. We'll try and answer them. Gonna switch into some men's basketball now. We'll jump into the Mid Atlantic region. One of those conferences we've had our eye on, mainly because it's confusing us, would be the MAC Commonwealth. Um, Right now, Lycoming leads the way. Lebanon Valley, Albright, Alvernia, along with Widener, are in playoff contention. Hood, Messiah, Arcadia, and Stevenson are not. This is a conference that had Hood at the top at the beginning after a tremendous start. It's had uh, Alvernia with miraculous runs over the last few years to get into the tournament and win the tournament. Stevenson, last place, normally at the top of the conference. And Lycoming, who has re-emerged in the last two years, too. It's, it's a bit of everything if you want to follow a conference. That's pretty competitive top to bottom, but always changing on top. So we wanted to figure out what's going on now. We talked to Hood near the beginning of the season. Let's talk to another team near the end. And joining us via the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline, via Skype is Guy Rancourt, head coach of Lycoming who is 18 and 4, 10 and 3 in conference, and as we said, leading the way. Welcome to the Hoop Show, sir.
8: Thanks, Dave. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you for taking okay. the time. Um, let's just get to the bottom of the uh, let's start with the conference, if you don't mind. Um, crazy. I, I think when I've said it on air a few times and Gordon myself and Ryan our are around the nation guy when we talked over the summer agreed that the MAC Commonwealth may be the deepest and most competitive conference in the country but the top never seems to take that next evolutionary step you're at the top can you take that next evolutionary step
8: yeah that's a great question and, and you know you mentioned the last couple of years and last year we were the 5 seed and 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 won it and went to the NSA tournament and the year before that we won the regular season we yeah. were the 1 seed and then we were upset you know and and so here we are back again as the 1 seed as of today uh, still three games left and certainly some some good games left to be played but um it's a very good question dave and and i think our conference really struggled in the beginning of this year and as it's evolved here uh throughout the course of the season i think teams are finally starting to piece together and emerge and gel and, and it's making it very challenging to not only finish out the season but also really to get the you know that that seating and that positioning you know whoever does make that step into the NSA tournament, you know, if we're going to have a good position.
0: What's really interesting is you talk about you guys being uh, fifth last year and going on to win the conference tournament. You started and played probably three quarters of the conference season as the top dog. Um, Alvernia has been known to enter the tournament and blitzkrieg its way through. Uh, from the bottom seed and win it several years. You mentioned the year you got upset. Well, they went and beat Stevenson for the second straight year in a row in the conference championship that year, both times coming as basically a four or five seed. Is, is that just the nature of this conference being so competitive or is that more of a nature of some teams have just find different times to peak?
8: Yeah, I think in the past, our conference has been extremely competitive. Like I think many conferences... And just about any conference you're in, every team feels that they have one of no. it's it's a bear, it's a grind. Everyone says the same thing, and I think they're all right. but the difference, I think, is you just have just about every conference, you have that one or two team kind of uh, placement there that maybe you know you're gonna get a win. You're gonna get a night off, and it just it doesn't happen in our conference. So that's where we do separate ourselves. Uh, what's happened this year, and I think is really unique, is this, Uh, coming together at a later stage where I I think in the past, if you look at our strength of schedule and uh, how we've done against opponents out of conference year after year, I think you've found the Commonwealth has been very strong Mm -hmm. this year. It's been just the opposite. In the beginning of the year, we struggled, you know, and, and a lot of teams didn't have that success early. And they're finally starting to put those pieces together now.
0: And again, you guys had one of those hot starts to the season, just as you did last year. Um, you started the year with just one loss in the 2016 section of the of the of the schedule, including that one. That one loss was a one loss, uh, one point loss to Susquehanna. Um, you know, I wouldn't say you went out and had a who's who uh, of conf- of non conference opponents, but you certainly did well. And sometimes it's a matter of just doing well. 2017 has been challenging it's the conference side of it you're six and three in the nine games that you've played uh including a two-game losing streak against messiah and widener the sad part the sad part was those were at home what is there been a difference in the two sides of the season or as you say it's just the the conference getting so competitive
8: i think it's the conference and uh, when you look at like Messiah, for example, they, they've done fairly well, you know, since the new year has started and uh, anytime you can shoot 64% from three throughout throughout a game, uh, as they did against us, that's you're, you're gonna be pretty successful and, and Messiah has very good shooters and, and I think they're starting to come together and and Widener, Widener is absolutely on fire right now. Yeah. You know, I think it you know if if the, the selection committee or whoever it may be is really looking at that and seeing just how good and how strong they've been finishing out here. Um, if we're lucky enough to be the team on top, I think that game you know, maybe doesn't hurt us as much if they really pay attention to how a team finishes as opposed to how they started.
0: When you look at this conference, you've got a two-game lead on Lebanon Valley and Albright, and we'll talk about the fact you play them next. Uh, we have a, a devious little way on this show of timing our guests just right. Uh, Alvernia and Widener, as we said, are, are filling out the 4-5 hole and at this point would play each other since they're two games back of Lebanon Valley and Albright, but they only have a game lead on Hood and Messiah. Um, who are dangerous, and obviously we've got three games to play. Some of, some teams too, but most of everybody has three games left to play. It can I, I would say you're comfortably in first place. You haven't wrapped it up yet, so how do you keep the team focused on staying and trying to keep everybody to come through Williamsport?
8: You know that that's a great question, and the reason why it's great is what kind of mindset are we going to have? You know, mm-hmm. We had a wonderful opportunity um going into that messiah game you know a lot of excitement on campus a lot of enthusiasm it would have been the best start in the school's history and i I think our players didn't maintain that focus to really help them push through that understand that that what takes place on the court is the most important thing and uh, have we learned from that you know right now we're in a position where yeah a two-game lead with three games left but you know if we stumble on saturday if we stumble on wednesday Oh, we could finish in third just as well as finishing in in first here. So um, really maturity and how we approach each game is just critical for us.
0: Well, that's a great point because the other thing here is obviously regional rankings are out. You're sitting fourth in the regional rankings. You have a decent SOS. Um, all intensive purposes, you're in decent shape should you need an at large. And obviously a lot of things can change between now uh, and the end of the month when this this comes to fruition. but if if things ended now, you'd be in pretty good shape if the at large is needed. However, as we saw on Wednesday night, as we talked about so far on the show, we 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 see quirky things when the regional rankings come out. Teams take losses and teams who are Guilford, you know, number one in the region in the South, just barely scores, doesn't even score 50 points last night. You see these quirks. If your team struggled with the Messiah angle, do you dare bring up the regional ranking to them and let them understand what's going on? And can they play through that knowing they're right on that little that little line there of good-bad.
8: Yeah, I think it's best to approach it head-on. you know, and, and it's much like if you look at throughout the course of our season, our free-throw shooting has really struggled. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you look at our last game at Arcadia. That game started out, we were losing 30-5 to to start that game. And then we finished the second half going 20-for-20 20 20 from the foul line and wind up winning the game. <laughs> and uh, it, it's it, it, how you approach Uh, free throw shooting, how you approach success. How are you gonna present that to your team? How's your team gonna handle it? It's really a a significant psychological uh, issue you have to deal with with your team. And um, I think coach by coach and team by team, almost player by player, you have to handle things different ways. And and this season, uh, I think it is best to approach stuff head on with our guys, uh, make them aware of uh, where we're at, you know, what people are saying around us, and that you know that that can become dangerous, you know, only if you swallow that pill. That, that that's when the poison becomes dangerous. Is only if you take that pill. So if we believe in that and we start buying into that, um, it could be a problem. You know, we, we really need to understand that it's a one game at a time deal. So we will we will uh, address it as a team prior to practice today.
0: When you when you look at the the rest of the season, three to play, and, and the two teams you're playing are two games behind you, so conceivably two losses there, and this completely changes things, Albright and Lebanon Valley. And then you finish with Stevenson, who may be 4-19, but can wake up at any point in time. They're one of those squads. Do you live on the premise right now that you need to finish all three of these and not take one more loss if you want to stay in the hunt with the NCAA?
8: Try, you know, as much as you say you don't want to think about that, yeah. stuff, it, it's in the back of your mind, yeah. you know, but where exactly do you do you really lie? Um, yeah, I, I think we, we need to make sure we understand that the position we're in now is is a position that we're very fortunate to be in. From an from entire conference perspective, our overall record is, is stronger than the, the, the rest of the teams, and that's put us in a position to possibly... If it comes down to it, can we possibly have an at-large? Well, maybe, but we really don't want to think about that right now. So um, it, it, it's all about three games left, and and we are well aware that um, every one of these three games is going to be significant. If we do take a loss in one of these three games, we just have to put ourselves in the best position possible uh, if, if an at-large situation is needed. But again, it, let's say we go 0 for 3. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you know, playoff time we need to those are the games that really matter you're going to be able to get to that championship to put yourself in a position to go to the NSA tournament without having to wonder and worry you know when selection you know the selection day arrives
0: well certainly it gets easier at that point because then you know it's just an automatic bid or, or forget about it uh, and to some yeah. degree that's what everybody else is playing under you're the only ones who have that what if scenario talk about your team you're led by three seniors I believe it's Nick King correct Yes. Um. He just uh, different spelling. N Y K. Uh. David Johnson and um. Uh, there he is. Willie Key. Uh. It is Johnson who's leading the team with thirteen point three points a game. It's Chris Wallace, a junior, twelve points and six point eight rebounds a game. Uh. King then comes up at ten point three points and five point five rebounds, also handing out two point eight assists. And then uh, Alex Newbold, who a lot of people know in the conference, certainly a pretty good talent, 7.7 points a game uh, and 5.5 and rebounds. And, and, a, and your best shooter outside is Johnson at 45%. Um, that's a pretty good foursome there. You obviously have three seniors. Two of them are significant contributions to this squad. Um, I can't get a read, though, as this is a year that you need to take advantage of with those seniors or if you're still building towards another year maybe.
8: We haven't really been a kind of program that builds. Uh, We've been able to maintain. As I said, you know, we're in first now. Last year, we did go to the NCAA tournament. The year before, we did finish in first. Uh, We've won more games in league in the last eight years than anybody else in the conference. Um, You know, we need to just continue doing what we're doing. You know, uh, the four young men you're mentioning, you're doing a great job. Uh, T.J. Duckett, we didn't really mention him. He's shooting over 50% from three over the last six games um you know so we're, we're able to go deep in what we do and we play many players um but I, it hurts us when it comes to conference awards at the end of the year because you're not seeing somebody with 20 25 points per game right. or you know, 15 rebounds a game because uh, we're very competitive as a whole and i think um as much as our seniors are doing a great job for us this year uh david johnson has been wonderful willie key has really been able to just find us opportunities late in shot clocks and late in games. And Nick King has, has led us for several years now. Um, you know, I I think we have enough kind of here in the stable where, uh, we don't have to take advantage of it. I think we need to take advantage of this current opportunity that we sit in today. Uh,
0: interesting enough, you have gone to the bench or played 10 players every game this season. You've played 11 in 20 and you've played 17, uh, in, or I should say, um, Yeah, in 20 games, 17 games, you've played 12 players. You've gone deep pretty much every game. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned Duckett, by the way. Not only is he a a, a solid shooter, but he's also solid from beyond the arc and an 84% free throw shooter. But you talk about not getting guys honored. You're going 10 deep every single game, 11 deep in most occasions, and if not 12. That's a lot of players.
8: Yeah, yeah. And and because of that, um, our guys get to develop and they get to mature – and then they get to become better players, not only individually, but within our system. But what it also does is it's kind of spreads the wealth somewhat. And, and a lot of times, you know, accolades fall to that player with the uh, uh, highest numbers with the biggest figures yeah. and not so much the accomplishments that, that a group has done to put them in that position. So uh, hopefully, you know, these seniors and, and some of these upperclassmen that are playing very well, like Chris Wallace can be acknowledged for those efforts, but um I'm appreciative that in, in timeouts, in practices, in, in games, they're buying in, you know, and, and they believe that they understand that the whole of us being successful is more important than an individual, you know, getting that trophy or that award. And, and I think that's really been the key to our success.
0: Again, three games to play, two of them at home, which is certainly key. Coming to Williamsport Sports, not the easiest thing. Uh, Albright and Stevenson obviously also have two of the longer trips, and they're the ones who are coming. He'll done, uh, be down at Lebanon Valley in the middle of that. So obviously, three games to play before the conference tournament. You'd love to get the bye, so you don't have to play that extra game in the middle in the beginning of the week. Certainly, um, uh, not that. Let I mean, be honest. It's just five and six. I don't see you falling that far.
8: But well, uh, you talk about you know the, the uh, remaining games, uh, the the true craziness. And you talk about our conference again. Is uh, we have three losses at home and we are undefeated on the road yeah, this season. Yeah, that's so true. Some some have said we should forfeit our home games and just get on the bus <laughs> and go to their place. But. Uh, uh, I'll happily take a couple of home games and see how it yeah, goes
0: I could see that phone call now hey listen can we just change the rankings we'd love to be fourth uh, it'd be <laughs> totally fine with us um, the other quick thing I did notice too is you you've played a wide range of games uh 60 point games 70 point games couple 80 point games a couple of hundred point games is that a testament of what the offense is capable of doing or just games that you get pulled into
8: yeah I think it would be more pulled into I think it would be you know the style of play and uh, just disciplines of two teams trying to impose their will and see who's going to be more successful with it. Uh, I'm proud that we've had such large swings and still been able to find ways to win. Uh, I I think that's going to be important, especially as we get later on in the season here, uh, when those teams take away your strengths, that you have to find other ways to get it done. And um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about the squad. Certainly going to be fascinating to see how the Commonwealth plays itself out in the last couple of weeks. And certainly in the conference tournament, if there's one thing I've learned in the Commonwealth, the tournament does not go by chalk ever. Um, it'll be fun and interesting to see how it turns out as always, we give the coach the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in.
8: Well, I appreciate what you do, Dave, and, uh, you know, having us have a voice here and, um, it's certainly always an exciting time of year right now and, uh I, i'm just uh thrilled to be on your program and, and and excited that lycoming can continue this tradition and and to be on uh periodically as our success continues
0: well thank you coach uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us especially by skype and uh good luck the rest of the way i'm sure we'll be talking about the warriors uh in the next few weeks as well thanks there kai rancourt joining us on the city of salem skype hotline again the team is 18 and 4 overall have a a two-game lead in the Commonwealth at ten and three, but three to play again. Two of those games against the teams that are two games back. So there's a lot to play for, and then they'll finish their season off against Stevenson at home. When we come back, we'll go from the uh, north northern part of Pennsylvania to the SoCal area of California. We'll head out to Claremont Mud Script see what's going on with their squad and the Skyac. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Don't forget about the Hoopsville fundraiser. We're going to keep reminding you about that until this the the percentages start climbing. Uh, our goal is just a little under three weeks away, or I should say, our deadline is a little week, under three weeks away. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with CMS when you we return here on Hoopsville.
2: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness.
7: that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that.
8: It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent.
7: And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation.
1: Our obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense.
7: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes.
8: And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more
1: in return.
3: Help us keep that dream alive.
7: Be part of it.
1: Get involved.
7: You can make a difference.
1: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying this show. We're late into it at this point. Don't forget the Hoopsville mailbag is coming up. If you've got questions for us, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We'll answer those questions on the mailbag. If there's any that we don't answer, we'll save them for Sunday. Also, you can tweet us at d3hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, That's information scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Going from uh, Pennsylvania out to California. We're down into the... SoCal Region talking about Skyak basketball. Claremont Mud Scripps, 14th ranked team in the country, is 17 and 2 overall, 10 and 1 in conference. Unfortunately, they just lost their first game in conference on Tuesday. What the ramifications are, who knows? We'll find those out later. But joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Ken Scalamini. And coach, welcome into Hoopsville.
9: Thanks for having me, Dave. Really appreciate you having me, and it's always a good year when you're calling me. Yeah,
0: it's probably a fair point, uh, or there's (coughs) something bad going on, and we don't like making those calls. Um, (laughs) You should mention, team is playing this evening against Whittiers, who are pre-taping this interview with Coach, uh, as they will take on Whittier, and again, they just played Pomona-Pitzer and losing that game. We'll talk about that, but first and foremost, Coach, here's one of those dynamics I think I ask you all the time. You're 17-2 overall. You're 14th ranked in the country. I just Started voting for you. Um, or you've been in on my top twenty-five the last couple of weeks. Um, we just have so much trouble understanding because uh-huh. you're located in one of those islands of Division Three and play late games that not a lot of people get a chance to watch. How good are the Skags? How? how what are the dynamics about them? We have a lot of questions we can't get answered. So my question right. to you: Seventeen yeah. and two, smoking mirrors or legit? Uh,
9: I, I think we're legit. I think. Uh... You know, we we lost Scotty Lins, which is a very good player for us, about three games back. So we're now kind of figuring the pieces out a tiny bit. But but prior to that, I mean, we're 50% from the field. Uh, We hold teams to under 40. Our rebound differential is 9.2. We shoot the three ball at over 40%. And our free throw percentage, I think, is over 70. So... We're hitting a lot of those barriers that I think a lot of coaches want. Um, and and when we have real good ball movement. I, I feel like we could play with anybody in the country. So a little unexpected start, to be honest, because I have a fairly new team and only like one true senior. But I'm um, really excited about the group and, and what they've done thus
2: far.
0: Yeah, that's the interesting thing is this team, I think that's the part I'm struggling with is it's younger than I expected it to be. Um, You know, you mentioned the one senior and then, you know, a lot of under, or really two seniors, but, and then a lot of okay. underclassmen. And I guess that's where I've been having the trouble. There doesn't seem to be the leadership I'm used to from this squad.
9: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, Scotty Lenz and Riley are the two seniors. Scotty actually has been injured prior. I was a young man I brought up before, and he's going to be able to go to a graduate school and play again next year for mm-hmm. us. So Riley's the only kid we lose, and uh, I just had a young group that was really enthusiastic. And, you know, you get these groups sometimes where you don't have to say it twice, and they're there <laughs> early, and they're lifting weights, and they want to watch film with you, and uh, they like playing together. and and I said, I told a couple opposing coaches, man, we share the ball real well this year. You know, we're going to be able to score. So that's been the case. We had a great trip up to Oregon where we just played fantastic. And the boys have had some confidence after that and then kind of ran with it.
0: Yeah. It, you have, you're have you led by a junior in Michael uh, Scarlett, and then the senior in Linz, and then another junior in Kendrick Morris, then Miles President, a freshman. Those are your leading scorers. Scarlett's got 16 and a half points a game. Lynn's 14, 11 and a half from Kendrick Morris and miles president at eight with, uh, and so on. So, you know, you do have a lot of underclassmen, obviously that builds really well for the future. Um, uh, yeah. but what is, what has it meant for this year so far?
9: Well, I, you know, different guys really have stepped up. You know, we had uh, Jack Ealy in a conference game who, you know, he's only averaging maybe six points a game, but he gets 21 against Oxy, and we win by four. And one night it's Morris. You know, the last time we played Whittier, Morris had 26. And then Scarlett's been pretty sound on score off and on, and same with Linz. But really we've had some different guys step up to the table. Um, Riley Hall is the consummate, you know, teammate and is always there for us. But in terms of scoring, we've really been, uh, you know, five guys with kind of 10 points a game and and different leading scorers, which has been a lot different for me. In the past, I've had guys that kind of dominate the scoring for me, Gaffneys (laughs) and Bleases, and we kind of run around them in our motion and, and play off those guys. And then this year, it's Boy, almost everyone can shoot the three ball, and, and the different guys are getting open, and different coaches are concentrating on different people. And, uh, you know, it's maybe a little more nerve wracking for me because I don't know going in who's going to be the guy getting the more shots, but it sure is a, a nice way to play with everyone touching the ball.
0: And certainly, again, you bring most, pretty much everybody back next year. Obviously, you'll lose, you know, um, uh, Riley, as you mentioned, but the, the rest come back. You know, this is a conference right now. You've got a three game lead with with five to play. Uh, it's a two, it's a three-way tie for second between Cal Lou, uh, Laverne and Pomona Pitzer. And of course Pomona Pitzer just beat you guys on Tuesday in a game that we were joking beforehand. They basically got to walk home. You guys are so close. Uh, so you didn't give any bad taste on that long three block walk. Um, but what did, what did you guys, what didn't happen in that game? Maybe that, and obviously you talk about injuries, but what didn't happen in that game that, that you guys need to learn from for tonight against Whittier?
9: Yeah, no excuses with injuries. Everybody has them, so that's not. You know, Pomona was really ready to play. They did a great job. They hit nine of eleven threes on us, which is pretty unheard of. They shot the ball real well. They stayed in front of us. Um, they played a great basketball game. They're a solid team out here. You know, our our league has a lot of parity to it. So, you know, there's there's times when the second or third place team in the, in our tournament end up winning it and advancing in the NCAA. So. You know, I get I guess for me, I've done this a few times and been in that playoffs quite a bit, it's you gotta win the last two games out here on the West. We're not getting that typical at large team and so if you just win the conference, you're you're not automatically gonna get in. You gotta win two games on a Friday, Saturday, either at home or away, and then you gotta keep playing basketball. So You know, three-game lead, four-game lead, I kind of just, I go to Whittier right now. You know, our boys didn't play our best game against Pomona, and I'd like them to, you know, in a couple different ways, try a little harder and and be a little more effective in some other ways. So kind of learn to just go to the right here, right now, if I sound old school.
0: Well, and the other thing, too, is here, you know, you might only have, you know, two losses on the season, one in conference, But the regional ranking was fifth, which is not strong. Your SOS is a 461. You probably are very right. much re, uh, on, of the understanding that you need to go win the AQ.
9: Correct, correct. You know, one more loss, I think will drop out of the regional rankings. So, yeah, we got to be hopefully playing our best basketball in those last two games. Um, but, you know, the, the, the journey, too, is something that's super important to us, and, and I think we do that well here day in and day out. So... I'm excited about the next five conference games, and then uh, I think we have a opportunity to be an NCAA
0: team. Yeah, in the midst of uh, five games of the last seven being at home, you're wrapping up a three-game stand now. You've got two more at home of the last five, or three more at home, counting Whittier tonight uh, of the of the last five that will be at home. So certainly, the brand new gymnasium will be very important for you guys as you move forward. But so will it be if you if you can make sure to lock up this conference title
9: correct it's all it's a lot nicer to play at home um in the ncas to be honest i've never played at home yeah. in, a, in a game we've been on the road quite a <laughs> bit so and then Man, I think it's maybe five out of the seven times that I was the home seed number one. We were able to win both games, and only one time when I wasn't the number one seed where we had to win at Chapman were we able to advance by not having the home games. So, yes, these next five are are pretty important. Um, They're not vital, but they're very important to kind of give an advantage in that in big games.
0: Do you change the message to the team then? You know, obviously, you've, you've had a certain, whether it be dialogue or, or mantra or whatever it is through the season. You take the loss of Pomona Pitzer. You lead three with five to play. There's a lot on the line in pretty much every game if you think about it. Do you now have to change the message a little bit to kind of make them realize what's at stake? Or do you keep hammering what you've been hammering?
9: yeah you gotta go a little bit more right here right now I mean there's there's more noise you know there wasn't uh, last year when I'm not ranked the the students on the campus are not talking to the kids in the classes and there's just a little bit more noise to it we had a winning streak which you know doesn't mean anything but now they're talking about that or at my school we had you know historically one of the better starts so they were writing about that and it just it adds a little pressure that they don't need to but it does so I, I really try to just go, let's keep it to what we've been doing. Let's let's not give up any easy baskets. Let's let's box people out and create no second shots. And let's work together to get a great shot every possession, you guys. It's not that complicated of a game. We want to stick to those tendencies that we do every day in our drills. So, yeah, I do spend a little more time for them to not worry about things. And my group's that. They're such great kids, Dave, that they they worry about letting each other down. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a great personality thing, but it also is one that you got to slap them and say, "Listen, you got to be able to go one for seven one night. <laughs> Don't yeah. stop shooting at over three and 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 not show yourself. We need you to be a little bit more aggressive." So um, there's something to what you're saying, though. You know, they with everyone talking about it, they they want to do well, and it adds a dimension of pressure. But like I told them, everyone wants to be us and you bef- want to play in these big games yeah and ultimately the only reason why you're nervous is that you care a lot and so that's a good thing
0: this conference has changed a little bit too um and i think it's always hard and i'm trying not to overinflate it either but caltech now in the middle of the conference even though they're six and fifteen they're five and seven yeah. in conference play redlands is at the bottom at right. seven and thirteen three and eight whittier's at the bottom chapman who had been strong for a while, is near the bottom. This conference has changed a little bit over the over the years. It's got to make it a little bit more challenging as well.
9: Yes, we've added Chapman, and then now Caltech is, you know, a very, very good team. So that just that sense has made, I think, our conference a little stronger. Um, so those two things have changed quite a bit. I mean, it, it used to be when you played Caltech, I could play some of my subs, and that was just the way you would do it and make them work hard and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, now it's, you know, they're beating half the teams in our own conference. And, you know, adding the Chapman, too, I think, gave us a little bit of an they're a good team, and, and it gives us one more team in the conference and, an, you know, usually a quality team. So that's given us a little rise, too.
0: And you've got to be loving Roberts Pavilion. You've now played in it for almost a full season after having two years uh, walking to other gyms, as it were. But you got you got to be loving the Roberts Pavilion at this point.
9: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a Division One facility, seats about 2,500. It's got six NBA rollout baskets. Uh, the kids are real spoiled at our place. <laughs> it's just, it's fantastic. Um, it, uh, you know, to watch a game in it is great, and to play a game in it, the, the rims are soft, and I think this should help a little bit with the recruiting. I think the kids will come here and go, wow, what a fantastic place to play in. There's no question.
0: Awesome. Well, coach, I know you got to get going. You got to shoot around Thank and you, you. got practice and you got a game, you know, important things besides talking to us. So we'll let you go. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
9: Yeah, well, I just want to thank you, Dave, for reaching out to us and giving us a little bit of this uh, promotion with the kids. i got a great team, and you'd really enjoy. If you met them, I think you would say that they're a classy group of guys. And, and So thank you so much for calling and reaching out to me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. Good luck tonight and the rest of the season. We'll look, look forward to seeing how well the Stags and the Athenas do the rest of the way.
9: Sounds good, Dave. Thanks again. Take care, Coach.
0: Take care. Coach Scalmini, Scalmanini joining us here on Hoopsville. Again, the team is 17-2 overall, 10-1 and one in conference action. Again, playing tonight uh, shortly after Hoopsville goes off the air. They will hit the floor against Whittier at home. They're then on the road against Laverne, back home against Calou and Chapman before finishing on the road. in Occidental. and I joke about on the road. Some of these teams aren't that far away. Pomona-Pitzer is a three-block walk. Laverne is a five-minute drive. Granted, they're in Los Los Angeles area. Uh, A a five-mile trip could take an hour and a half, but uh, at least they're relatively close for most. Uh, When we come back, we will uh, finish up with our final segment. Not only will we open up the Hoopsville Mailbag, see what questions you have for us, and that we will answer, which I'm sure several will have to do with the SOSs and regional rankings, uh, but we'll also take a look at uh, or break down those SOS or understand the regional rankings just a little bit better in the sense of what to expect next week, and, of course, talk more about the fundraiser and other aspects going on in Division Three. So we'll take a break. When we come back, um, we'll open the mailbag, see what else is going on. You'll listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with, uh, to wrap things up when we come back. Educate your student body, faculty, staff, and local community on how to prevent sexual assault and how to support survivors.
6: To recognize that non-consensual sex is sexual assault. To identify
7: situations in which sexual assault may occur.
3: To intervene in situations where consent has not or cannot be given.
7: To create an environment in which
5: sexual assault is unacceptable and survivors are supported. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
8: I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
3: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
7: If you can
6: play, you can play in Division III.
7: I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family, so now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Hello, my name is Dave McHugh, and
0: I am the creator and host of a video podcast called Hoopsville. And this is our studio. Hoopsville is the only show of its kind. We focus on Division III basketball and are currently in the midst of our 14th season on the air. When we started in 2000, none of this existed. We were an audio-only show, reading scores, reacting to games and teams we really didn't understand or appreciate, but trying to give Division III basketball something. The show has grown every year since. Eight years ago, we moved into this studio in my own home and continue to grow the show. The once-a-week show has become a a twice-a-week show. It's now two hours minimum a show, with a 12-hour marathon program, NCAA tournament selection special, which usually lasts six hours, a bracket breakdown special that usually lasts a few more hours, and other specials throughout the season. And the show is now a must-watch in Division III basketball. We also take this show on the road. We've been to 16 consecutive Division III men's basketball Final Fours along with a women's Final Four and both Division III championship games at Division I sites, 2013 in Atlanta for the men and last season in Indianapolis for the women. The men's championship weekend coverage has expanded the last three years to live pregame and postgame coverage courtside for each of the semifinals and the championships, just as if we were a major television network courtside or on the field of a major championship. We also travel to schools and conferences around the country, even doing the show live on location. Earlier this season, we were on the court at, Mc- at Roanoke College and their brand-new facility right after the men's team had played a conference game. We've been able to do much of this thanks to contributions from people like yourself. Whether you're a fan of Division III, have a son or daughter who plays or coaches in the division, maybe you're an alum of a Division III program, you might be a coach yourself, or you simply appreciate our efforts to shine a light on a division and the student athletes in it. Did you know Division III is the largest division in the NCAA? There are 441 schools who play women's basketball, 426 who play men's, but they only get a small percentage of the media's attention. These student athletes don't get athletic scholarships to play basketball. They play because they love the game and are good enough to play in college. Only 6% of high school athletes play any sport collegiately, Less than 4% play basketball on the collegiate level in any division. Majority of those choose Division III. That's why we're passionate about covering these teams and shining a spotlight on their successes as well. This isn't our job, but we treat it like it is. We want to make the teams, coaches, student-athletes, fans, and even the schools themselves feel like someone cares about the effort they're putting in each day, even if the school isn't going to end up with a championship. So on each show, we interview coaches, student athletes, regional reporters and administrators about what is going on around the country and how our teams performing from Maine to Washington State, from California to Georgia, not to mention from Minnesota to Texas. We cover every region, every conference and try and talk to as many teams as possible. But we can't do it without you. We consider our fundraising efforts to be very much like public television. This show is for you and whatever you are able to donate allows us to keep doing the show. From upgrading, maintaining, or buying new equipment, to traveling to schools and regions to better cover the sport, to even paying the bills that accumulate for running this show. You know, the internet is not free. So as a token of our appreciation, we will thank you publicly for your support, even send you a t-shirt or other Hoopsville swag, maybe even interview a guest of your choosing, or even yourself about why you love Division III basketball so much. It's your choice. We appreciate your support. We value our fans as much as we value the coaches and student-athletes who are trying every day to do their best and compete. So please consider helping us cover Division III basketball the way we believe it deserves to be covered. And don't forget to tune in to Hoopsville Thursday and Sunday nights starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Or watch it on demand or listen to the podcast. Because if you want to know about Division III basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville.
8: I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
3: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic.
7: you can play,
6: you can play in Division
7: III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division
2: III. Uh, welcome back to
0: Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Um, we apparently, I've got an alert that there's something wrong with the stream. <laughs> but I don't know where. And so if you've lost us, I apologize. Uh, hopefully everything, lo- everything looks fine on on the receiving ends. So this might just be a weird glitch. The problem is it's going to keep us from doing some other work uh, um, and maybe getting the show off the air. Uh, but we'll keep working on it. Anyway, Well, want to thank you for tuning in. I hope you are enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us as we wrap things up, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag HoopsPhil on the Twitter accounts. You can also join us on Facebook where we're live simulcasting the show, Facebook.com. Sl- hoopsville we've had some questions in there we hope you've enjoyed watching the show there we're certainly trying to answer those questions as well um let's see what else have we got uh we do have a mailbag question if i can get to it the problem is the star system won't let me get to it oh it finally cleared it up Hopefully that means we can get to it. And I also hope that means we haven't had any problems with the stream. And it doesn't look like it does. This is the problem. Our computer is literally having issues. And we talked about that fundraiser. And let me actually chat about that real quick. Um, the fundraiser is important to us. We don't make money on this show, folks. We do this out of the, uh, the passion of our... I go through the spiel. I just did on the air. But it's important to us. And we've only raised about 8% of our goal. And our goal is up for less than three weeks... It allows us to travel to see other teams. It allows us to pay bills. This computer that we're using is three or four years old. It is a beast of a computer. It is a terrific computer designed with this show in mind. It was designed with production in mind. It's old as much as we've kept it up. And so some of the gremlins we're dealing with right now are because we need to spend some money. Well, if we spend money to get the computer fixed, so be it. We can't travel, which we've already cut back this year um and so this is a way of you being able to help uh, kind of like public television and we will thank you uh if you pick certain perks we will send t-shirts and other swag um and you even get a chance to to have us control our content as, as it were and have a guest on the show so please consider that i certainly appreciate it if you do uh etc etc uh so we do have a question in the mail apparently i am now able to get to <laughs> so here we go. It's a little bit complicated, so we're going to go through it par- part by part, so bear with us, please. Um, this is an anonymous writer. Did not want his name used, which we respect. Does Trinity Connecticut have a chance for a bid if they win their last two games, Middlebury and Hamilton both on the road? This gives them the magical 667 and adds to a pretty good SOS number. So let's start there first. <laughs> um there is that magical SOS number we call it the Mendoza line just as a tongue-in-cheek reference um the idea being that you need to be above 667 and honestly you need 100 um to be in this conversation to be blunt um Emory last year had a 681 SOS and did not make the NCAA tournament with one of the best I'm sorry let me phrase that had a 681 winning percentage. Had one of the best SOSs in the country and did not make the tournament. So 667 is the number we've triggered. That's the number that the committee will say. Listen, we've never taken a team below 667 in men's basketball. In this advent, in this age of SOS, and cheese, we've been on the SOS a a long time now, and I've forgotten the exact amount of years. Um, so that's why we talk about it. Trinity is 14 and 8 right now. That is 636, if you're counting at home. If they win two more, they'll be 16 and, what did I say, 6? 16 and 8, which is out of 24 games, uh, which would get them to the line, as the person asks us. So, yes, they entered the equation. Now, they're not regionally ranked right now, and so let's also point out the fact that of 12 teams in the Northeast, they aren't ranked and they got to get into the rankings, and then they're going to have to get up near the midway point, if not above, to be considered. Now, this... Uh, so, yeah, it's going to help. Hamilton and Middlebury will certainly help their SOS. Now, the NESCAC does not play a double round robin, and Trinity certainly doesn't take part in playing other teams necessarily twice. So Hamilton will add a 15-6, and six, and Middlebury will add an 18-3. and three. We know Middlebury's of 600-plus, Hamilton's I don't think is too bad. I haven't looked at it. So, yes, that will help. Now, let's look at Trinity's numbers, though, just to understand a little bit better of where we're coming from here. Remember, Middlebury, Amherst, Tufts, Wesleyan, and Williams all regionally ranked right now. Trinity, as of Sunday's numbers, is 544 on the SOS. So not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. Move move to 667 or better with that SOS. They may get ranked at near the bottom of the regional rankings. So that's not bad. So we enter the equation. But this is multifaceted, as I say. So let's get to the next part of the question, uh, which is going to. Uh, so this gives them the magical 667 and adds a pretty good SOS number. What are the chances of them getting a bid? All right. So we'll reset this a little bit. We'll start with the bid question. No. because they're not ranked now we may change that answer but with that question in mind winning those last two games will not get them a bid they'll get to 667 with a 544 sos but i'm worried that win loss percentage is not going to be strong enough okay the problem is we're ignoring a lot of other criteria here so let's this question this answer may change let's move on the next part of the question is do conference tournament games count too if so how many? The simple answer to that is yes and as many as you play. So in Trinity's case they're going to have do more than lose in the quarterfinals of the conference tournament. The NESCAC has gotten teams in who've won in the who've lost in the quarterfinals but they've already been ranked. They've also had strong SOS numbers and been ranked pretty high. Um don't remember who off the top of my head, but this has happened in World War II, has happened the last couple of years where they've lost in the quarterfinals and still gotten in, reluctantly on our part. That's where that gaudy SOS number came into play. Trinity doesn't have a gaudy SOS number. They have a 544. Compare it to Amherst. Amherst's SOS is a 581. Middlebury's SOS is a 605. Uh, let's see, Williams and Wesleyan. Uh, Wesleyan's SOS is a 559, Williams is a 576. So their number is below those five. So let's keep that in mind. The question continues, and this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. The question then is, does having a record of three and six against regionally ranked teams hurt them. Does the committee factor in the three of those with losses in OT and give more credit to road wins? All right. so this is why I think this question, and I wanted to go into it, is so important. The criteria is results versus regionally ranked opponents. Not win-loss percentage against regionally ranked opponents. Not wins. Not losses. It's results. And we have been told numerous times by committee members it's a popular question that by the statement results versus regionally ranked allows them to look at those games as more than wins and losses in a win-loss percentage. Three and six is beneficial because they have played nine games against regionally ranked opponents. That goes to state that they do have a very solid Schedule. The 544 SOS is good, but they also played a lot of top conferences. Now, it also indicates with a 544 that they are top teams. They, the 544 also may indicate they didn't play tremendously good teams at the same time. And if we look at Trinity's um, uh, record this year, uh, Mass Dartmouth, uh, Southern Vermont isn't great. Uh, to be honest, they needed to win those games. Elms does not help him. Keene State, not bad. Needed to win that game. Bard does nothing. Merchant Marine does nothing. Springfield's nice. Susquehanna's good. Kings does absolutely... They went to the tournament at Kings, and that does nothing for him. St. Joseph's Long Island does nothing for him. Eastern Connecticut, not bad. Plattsburgh State's not bad. Pine Manor does nothing for him. Though Pine Manor's improving, so keeping that on their record in the future might not be the end of the world. Um, Also, non-conference, Vassar eh, isn't really helping them. So, trinity has got a mixed bag. Their results versus regionally ranked opponents, Mass Dartmouth is helping, Keene State is helping right now, um, and obviously conference players. So, three and six is good because they have had nine games. It's not great because they've lost two-thirds of those games, but they're going to look at results. And, yes, they'll look at they lost in overtime. Look, they lost on the road. Yes, they'll look at whether they played at home. They'll look at all of those factors because when it says results versus regionally ranked opponents, it, it, they, the committee will use the term results and use it every which way they can. So winning out and having results versus regionally ranked opponents may get Trinity into the conversation. The problem is that three and six is liable to change and will change Obviously, they will take on Middlebury so that we add a number to that, whether it be win or loss. Um, And they'll play Hamilton, who's not regionally ranked. By the way, Hamilton's S, in case you are curious, is, and this is as of Sunday's numbers, not live, 533, so the lower of the group. The problem is Keene State may drop out of the regional rankings. Mass Dartmouth may or may not drop out of the regional rankings. Eastern Connecticut may or may not drop out. I'm going in reverse order. The last one's less likely. Keene State more likely. So that Keene State result may drop out. Now, that's a loss, and so that may be good. So they may go, but they may swap it out with a middlebury loss. So they may still be, be three and six. But it's now a stronger loss, losing to a number two, than it is losing to a number ten. This said, I don't believe Trinity's got a legitimate chance at a bid as we talk now, unless they make a deep run in the NESCAC tournament, win, uh, maybe win both games to finish out. Because let's be honest, they've got to beat Middlebury and Hamilton just get back to six sixty seven. If they go two and one in the tournament, that would make them um see 18 and 9 so 18 divided by whoops uh 18 divided by 27 would still keep them at that number. so they got to get to the conference championship game to maintain a 66 their SOS will come up it will go up. so let's say their SOS is in the 550s maybe 560s. I don't know if it'll jump that high and they'll have more results versus region ranked opponents. In this equation, they'll have a win over Middlebury. So now, let's just say they go to four and five because we'll say Keene State dropped out. They'll probably play a couple of other regional ranked opponents. So that's a couple more wins. So now we're talking maybe five or six wins in region, equaling maybe five or six losses in region. They're going to have a gaudy and big resume. Trinity will, but they're going to be right on that six sixty seven. They're going to have an adequate SOS, but not as strong as Emory's last year. And Emory was left home. I don't think Trinity's in. The first regional rankings may not mean a lot in the grand scheme of things because uh, it doesn't count for results versus regionally ranked opponents at the end of the year. Um, Remember, it's only weeks two and three that will really count. Um, But if you're not in the regional rankings, especially the Northeast, on week one, I think that's a red alert that you're not making the tournament as an at-large. And, and to be honest with you, I think if you're not in the regional rankings of any rankings, you're not going to get in as an at-large. Assume teams ahead of you are going to win. But here's your problem with the Northeast. Let's say Babson wins its automatic qualifier, so we don't steal a pool a pool bid. Okay, one's gone. Then you have Middlebury, T- Amherst, Tufts, Wesley, and Williams. Five teams, only one's going to take it. So now four are going to get to the table ahead of Trinity. Connecticut gets in, um, Mass Dartmouth. I don't think Mass Dartmouth and he's gonna. I always get these conferences confused for people, so I apologize. Uh, trying to keep the conferences straight in my head sometimes is too much. So Eastern Connecticut out of the Liberty, the little East would get in. Uh, Mass Dartmouth's in the same conference, so we we leave one there. So now we've got five teams ahead of Trinity, uh, MIT. If Babson's in and they're still ranked, that's six teams ahead of Trinity's. I'm I'm safe to say Trinity's got no chance at an at-large bid. 667. If they get to the conference tournament and they're going to have to get all the way to the championship to stay above 66, 667 and still remain an at-large bid. Now, granted, if they win the whole thing, this is a mute point. But for that, if this scenario is an at-large to win the last two regular seasons, they get to the 667 winning percentage. They have to get to the championship game in the conference maintain that 667. The SOS will increase, but I don't see them all of a sudden jumping into the top half of the regional rankings, basically coming from off the board right now. I, I don't see that happening. So the reason for this long, drawn-out equation is take what I've said and and apply to other teams. If there's a school who's off the regional rankings, you can probably guess they're not going to get an at-large bid. If there's a team below 667, and you know they need to keep it there, do the do the math and see what they need to get to that number or above. Um. If you, if if their SOS is low, look at who they're going to play, see if it's going to come up. All of this region results versus regional ranked opponent. Who are they actually ranked or, or have played? That's are those teams low on those total on those lists and could they come off? Who could possibly come on to the list that could help? All of those are factors. And in Trinity's case, I hate to say it, no chance. I don't think there's a chance Trinity's gonna get in. They'd have to leapfrog Williams, they'd have to leapfrog Wesleyan, um Amherst, and and let's just quickly look at Trinity's record against those teams. Uh, Williams. They beat Williams. So that's good. That could come to benefit them. But they lost to Wesleyan. They lost to Amherst. They lost to Tufts. And they got Middlebury coming up. Yeah, I don't think Trinity's got a chance. I hate to say it. I I, I am certainly not a person who wants to tell you a team's got no chance. I want to help people do. But at the same time, we've got to be realistic with this. And I don't think Trinity has got a chance. Plain and simple. They're going to have some numbers. Their SOS, 550, maybe 560 should this this scenario fall out. But their winning percentage is going to be 667. Yeah, I just don't see it. Sorry. Um, I know who emailed me, and they're probably not going to love that. Matthew Wilson has two questions. Matthew, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Do you know if any D3 teams defeated any D2 or D3 teams this year? I think he probably meant D2 and D1. What is your All-America team right now? Whoa! (laughs) Matthew, you gave me a couple doozies there. Um, Yes, uh, D3 teams have done well. If you go to D3boards.com, it's our chat boards that a lot of people take part in. On the men's side, in the... Multi-region section. There's actually a D3 versus D1, D2, NAIA, NCCAA page. And I'm quickly going to this. These are games through the end of January. It's not been updated since. D3 versus uh, D1 are 0-45. <laughs> versus D2, they're 6-24. Versus NAIA D1, they're 9-11. and 11. Versus NAIA D2, they're 34 and 40. Versus NCCAA D1, and that's the uh, National Christian College's Athletics Association, they're 8 and 4. And versus the D2 version of that, they're 41 and 3. Versus USCAA, they're 92 and 26. And versus all others, they're 26 and 1. Again, that's under um, uh, on D3boards.com. If you go under men's... Ba- or first off, go under post up, which is Division three basketball. Go to the men's board, and under that, there's a multi-regional topic section, and then you'll find a D3 versus whatever, and it is in there on the very last post. Through the end of January, mainly because this time of year, we don't tend to see a lot of games against those types of opponents. And remember, a lot of those records are lower-end D3 teams who are playing some of those for varying reasons, not a lot of the top teams. Well, the top teams did very well against uh, D2 and D1 this year. Um, I think we had a handful of D1 wins. The problem is sometimes those games are exhibition games, so they don't count for D3, uh, but they do count for D1. It's a little quirky rule that that I believe has now been eliminated, but I haven't gotten confirmation. The other part of that question, Matt, is very difficult. What is your All-America teams right now? Matt, I, I, I'll be honest, Matthew, I can't give you that answer. Um, it's unfair to give that answer for multiple reasons. First off, our All-American list uh, that I help work with on D3Hoops.com comes from the all-region teams. So if somebody's not even on an all-region team, they're not going to be necessarily considered for All-Americans. I don't want to say they absolutely aren't. There's there's always a chance of, an, uh, of a, a wild scenario. I don't think it's happened but you never know. Uh I do know I've got guys that I've I've looked at. If you look at the preseason All-America list, that's certainly a good basis to work from. Not everybody's lived up to that. Uh there's guys on that list who probably won't make All-America list. There are guys I've seen this year that uh, that I made comment to the guys in Vegas, there were a couple of guys that went uh ah, adding them to my watch list. Um it's just not fair to to name who's on a Mall America list right now. They're going to be usual suspects. Well, let's be honest. Joey Flannery of Babson is going to be on an All American team. I think A.J. Edwards at Marietta is going to have a conversation to be on an All-American team. He was a preseason All-America team one. Um, the guys at North Park are certainly in the conversation. Sebring at Illinois Wesleyan is in the conversation. Sam Borse Rochester is in the conversation. Um, but there's also guys that I, that I don't have off the top of my head who may not have been a preseason All-America uh, who will be All-Americans this year. Uh, so I don't want to go out and tell you who's on my list for sure. I certainly don't want to tell you who's on what team. I just don't think it's a fair question. I'm sorry, Matthew, it's a fair question. It's an absolutely fair question. I don't think it's a fair answer. give that at this point especially with a little bit of of basketball left to go and it's very tough to do these all America teams to be completely honest remember division three is the largest division um and it's it's not easy it's it's relatively hard on that note no we're not going as late as we normally do how about that stuff huh a little bit different uh i will give a a last second here to get us any last second questions by the way my buddy hachi keen Watching the show. If you're still watching Hachi, good to hear from you, bud. Thank you for the shout out. Appreciate you tuning in. Um, if anybody out has got another question, you can email us, tweet us, or join us on Facebook Live. Get us your questions immediately. Don't forget, Sunday we'll be on the art seven. And again, we talk uh, Northeast, Atlantic, South, and Central regions primarily. We'll also have the W <laughs> segment. Don't have our guests set for that yet. <laughs> so no, I don't have that. As much as I don't have an All-American list, I don't have that list y- yet either. Um, what else do we have here besides a cold that's been bothering me for over a month? Uh, and hopefully a computer that works by Sunday to get up and running. Um, let's see what else. Uh, so Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, we'll be back on the air. And again, apologize to anybody uh, who missed us last Sunday. Basically, this cold... Due to and plus exhaustion from the marathon and just exhaustion period, there's some other things going on. We were done and just needed time, so uh, we took that break. We apologize for anybody who may have missed us, but we had covered everybody so well on the marathon that I think we didn't really miss much. Uh, yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Tufts Amherst women's game. Whoo, low scoring, uh, wasn't it? Uh, that surprised me. I didn't expect a 30s 30s game uh, in. Uh, I'm not overly surprised that Tufts won. Uh, I had Amherst. I'm sorry. I'm not. I had Amherst winning it, so I wasn't surprised if Tufts had won it. Um, I think those two teams are diabolically good, but we have a lot of really good women's teams this year. Uh, Thomas More can't ignore this year either. Uh, Ohio Northern has shown they're pretty solid. Uh, DePaul, I think, is sneaky good. They're number ten in the country, and I think they're better than that. Um, WashU is phenomenal once again this year. Uh, there's a lot of good teams out there in women's basketball. The top has gotten and I think it's going to make for a fun tournament on their end as well. Um, so Sunday, we'll be back on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Next Wednesday afternoon, once the regional rankings hit, we will go on the lo- on the air. Now, this past week, the men's hit; and we got on the air about a half hour after they got on the air, thanks to these technical issues. Once the <laughs> rankings hit, we hope to be on faster than that. But the women's were not up. Hopefully, they're still up when we're on the air. We went about an hour and a half on Wednesday with no breaks. Um, we'll see how we cover that the rest of the way. We may um, we may bring people in to uh, lend a voice, as it were, or be the facilitator of questions. Um, on the air the next two Wednesdays as well with that. Uh, Again, don't forget, uh, Sunday the 26th, we'll be on the air with our selection special, which include interviews with guests, looking to even talk to a couple student-athletes if we can. We'll also do our selections. We're working on the format of that and how we'll do it. We even may go on the air earlier. Uh, Only our shows go on the air at 7. With the selection show, we've gone on the air at 6. I am toying with going on the air between 4 and 5. Uh, if we're only waiting for the ODAC, I think we can handle going on the air about 4 or 5 and start diving into this so we're not all up extremely late at night. The committees are starting before that. We can, too. Um, and then don't forget the following day. Hopefully we're involved with the bracket show again, but as well, we'll follow that bracket show and be on the air with our matchup um, Monday special uh, as well following that. That's going to do it for us. No other questions that I see flowing in. I've given you guys enough time, I think, to to ask them. Um, appreciate those who, who ask us questions. Really appreciate the interaction. I think it does well for us. Uh, for those of you who tuned into the podcast and didn't get your questions answered, that's what the mailbag is for. And We hope you'll take advantage of that. So please um, email us, hoopsville, at d3hoops.com. Oh, you know what? We should check scores. Uh, Muhlenberg women beat Gettysburg 65-65. 60, that's certainly an, an important score, and I and I actually meant to check scores all day. So bear with me before we actually get off the air. We will get scores, uh, just to check to see if anything happens tonight. Again, the podcast available on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we hope you enjoy those when you get the opportunity. And up tonight, Claremont Mud Scripps will take on Whittier. might be a game I'll check out, um, despite the fact that Claremont Mudd Scripps just lost earlier. Uh, that's coming up. Uh, this is a men's basketball action. Uh, Some postponements already took place, by the way, up in the northeast. Uh, We barely got any snow down here. We actually got hammered with snow, but it had been 60 degrees the last two days, and the ground was a little too warm to handle it. Uh, So a lot of snow fell, but not a lot of stuck. We got a, 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 a dusting. But there has been basically a blizzard in the northeast. A foot of snow has fallen in many places. Uh, So games like Norwich versus Johnson & Wales and Plymouth State versus Newbury have all been postponed. Now there's some other games on here listed as to have been played or being played tonight but have no scores. So I'm not sure if they've been delayed. Mount St. Vincent versus Yeshiva, for example. Elmira versus Nazareth. But I have a feeling those games are being played. Um, Nothing on the men's side has surprised me. The Maine Machias played Maine Presque So that question about how to... um, uh, D3, other divisions. Well, that's a game we can add to that list. Maine Machias, man, I've lost track of what they were. They've been in and out of about a half a dozen different uh, groups um, playing Maine Prescal. Maine Prescal won that game, and it was at Prescal, 79 63. I know those campuses pretty darn well. On the women's side, Gal's uh, taking on Maine M- Machias, and it's 58 41 Prescal with uh, eight seconds left to go in the game. Yeah, that game's probably final, so we'll hit refresh. Um, nope, not yet, quite yet. Uh, Santa Cruz is playing. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary and Baylor beat Sol Ross State. Texas Tyler beat Belhaven. Uh, Ozarks beat East Texas Baptist. Ooh, big game here. Haverford beat Hopkins. 79-63. That just keeps Haverford in the top of the Centennial Conference. Uh, I just could see Hopkins, even though they're about a 500 team this year, playing spoiler and it didn't happen there. Swarthmore beat Bryn, Bryn Mawr, no big deal. Franklin and Marshall, Daniel. McDaniel beat Franklin and Marshall eight straight heading into the season. FM beat them twice this year. And we mentioned the Muhlenberg over Gettysburg result. So, as a result, the uh, Centennial Conference, Haverford continues to lead over Muhlenberg by a game. Muhlenberg has come storming back. Rather imp- to be honest with you. Uh, Dickinson is second, Gettysburg third, or Sinus fourth. Uh, fifth, I'm sorry. McDaniel is sitting sixth, tied with Hopkins. They're a game and a half back of her sinus. Um, Muhlenberg has won something like 10 of their last 11. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Sorry, eight of their last nine. Uh, lost to Haverford. That's why there's that separation. Good race there, but you know, Haverford and Muhlenberg are about the only two teams that have got a chance of getting out of the uh, tournament. Um, that said, um, says a lot. Muhlenberg and Haverford not ranked in the regional rankings. Centennial going to get one bid this year, uh, the way it looks as of now. So that's going to do it, folks. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank our guests for appearing on the air as well. Uh, Chris Huffman from the number 10 DePaul women's basketball team. Katie Marcella from Hartwick. Uh, Guy Rancourt from Lycoming and Ken uh, Scalmanini. I can say that name in my head really easily, and then once I say it, I'm good, but I can't get it the first time. But Ken Scalmanini from uh, Claremont Mud Scripts for coming on the show. Sports information directors for their assistance. We'll be back on the air again on 7 o'clock Sunday with the Northeast, uh, Atlantic, South, and Central, primarily along with the WBCA Center Court segment. Also, don't forget... The Hoopsville fundraising campaign, if you would be so kind, we would certainly appreciate it. It could use a little bit of love. We're about eight to our goal. Our goal runs out in 19 days. We really would appreciate it if you could give us a little bit of help to stay on the air. Um, and don't forget the podcast. We'll get it up here in about 15 or so minutes. It will be available on SoundCloud and iTunes. And don't forget Wednesday's regional ranking special as well. Sometime in the afternoon, once the rankings are out, thank you for tuning in. Certainly appreciate your, uh, help with it. And thanks for all the questions tonight as well. We're going to sign off for the evening. Good night. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this. We got a couple of weeks left of, of really good Division Three basketball before we're talking NCAA tournament. So get out to a game. Watch a game online. Tune into the show and catch what's going on. It's all important. It's all to make sure we give the Division Three the spotlight we believe it and and think it deserves, and we'll give it to them here on Hoopsville. Because if you're watching Hoopsville then you're up to speed on what's going on. Because if you want to follow Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I want to thank D3 Hoopsville, the presenting sponsor, along with the WBCA and NABC, for their support of Hoopsville and, of course, the City of Salem sponsor of our hotline, City of Salem hosting the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship Weekend. For the 21st straight year, they'll hand out their 20th championship trophy in Division Three basketball this year. That's it. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on Sunday night.